I'm running this monkey for now, Frankenstein. I know I'd go from rags to riches. Why, a four-year-old child could understand this report. Run out and find me a four-year-old child. I can't make a head or tail out of it. Faravelli, you've got the brain of a four-year-old boy, and I bet he was glad to get rid of it. My fate is up to you. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Your List Sucks, another episode of the Top 100. Uh, this week, we're doing, we're delving into the 50s. By the time this is done, it'll be halfway done already, believe it or not. Looking at that today, I was really surprised. It's going a lot faster than I thought it would. So I guess that's a compliment to you guys. Maybe not. Who knows? Uh, but let's introduce Pet real quick. Uh, last week's winner, uh, I believe, was uh, Cody wanted to, wanted, wanted to get, right? Yeah, it was close. It was a close week last week. You guys were all kind of bunched together. Even, even Brian. Either Brian bring it up the rear. It was tight. <laughs> um, how are you thinking about this week's uh, episode, this week's show, this week's list, Cody? So when I entered this uh, series, I thought I was going to win already. And then uh, somehow Kirk got replaced with the cyborg Kirk that like <laughs> likes stupid comedies and uh, <laughs> likes Monty Python. So I don't know how this is going to go anymore. Put that um, he, may, Bobby. he may hate the Godfather by the end of this. I'm not sure what's going to end up happening. But um, yeah, it's going to be a fun week. I have some interesting takes. Um, I don't know how much I'm going to actually talk because I have some movies that I know other people really like. So we will see. All right. Uh, down below, Cody is Ethan. Uh, Ethan, I, la- last week it seemed like you're really starting to hit your stride. How, how do you think it's going to uh, how it's going to go this week? Yeah. Um. You know, I thought that like I had missed my chance already, but I feel like I, you know, depending on how poorly Cody does, I could maybe I could maybe pull it out this week. I we'll see how it goes, but I'm I'm excited. I, this is a good list for me. Like the closer we get, obviously, the more passionate we're going to be about our movies. So I'm excited to talk about them. All right. Next him is Brian. Uh, Brian, you've been you've been a trooper. You've been you, you know, you've been sticking sticking it out every week, week in week out. And um, yeah, I mean, I think we've got along better than we expected to so far. So you, disappointment, apparently. Do, do you think that's going to uh, continue this week, or do you think uh, this will really get rattled? You know, I think so. I think, I mean, I, I still figure I have no chance of winning any week of this entire uh, show, but I think this might be one of the weeks that you hate me the least. So there's that. That's 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 something to hope for. And uh, last but not least, uh, Zach Ford. Um, Zach, I know you say I'm just uh, pattern to you, but you've been you've been close. You've been in the running every week so far, almost. Uh, so, uh, at least for second place, you've, you've been, you've been a, a close second or a close third every week. Uh, do you think you're going to step it up this week and maybe, maybe take this one? He's muted. Yes. Everybody. Cody was shaking his head the whole time. I, I should have gotten that. He's <laughs> muted. Um, <laughs> um, I, uh. I think that this week is, is a real bridge of um, quality, according to me. We're starting to really enter the movies that I I truly adore. A lot of movies that people would associate with me, which means it's it's about to get whimsical as shit. Which means you're going to start to hate everything. But as it gets whimsical and gets my stuff, I, I I'm living my best life, so I, I'm winning in my own heart, being the best version of me possible. All right, 
Well, let's see it goes. We'll get started. Um, as always, we're, st- we're still sticking with regular Euler sex rules. So uh, for the top three, it'll just be me and you talking, and we will our bottom three. Uh, let's go to Cody for his uh, 60 through 58. All right. So my number 60 is A uh, Few Good Men. My number 59 is The Way, Way Back. And my number 58 is Warrior. All you? Okay, perfect. Uh, so A Few Good Men uh, is one of those movies that I don't think I had originally on like some of my variations because I've always described this movie as a four-star movie with a five-star scene. Um, but the last rewatch I did of this movie, I'm 100% incorrect. This movie is absolutely incredible from start to finish. Um, one, it's a courtroom movie, basically, so that already like goes up like so many notches for me. Uh, Jack Nicholson, Tom Cruise, giving fantastic performances throughout. The end scene is, of course, the crux of the whole thing that everybody just remembers from this film. But like, I love the Kevin Bacon and the Tom Cruise like trying to work through his case because he's not a trial lawyer. Or he never gets through. He always settles out of court, and he has to actually have to defend this. And the workaround, and it kind of brings up like the facts like of like military law and stuff that you don't really realize like chains of commands and how you talk to a certain person and where like he has he has to walk a very thin line even more than normal uh um uh people in courtroom cases uh my next one is the way way back um this movie is a community like like this i understand why some people may not like this movie as much because it is very talked it's talked about very heavily in this community uh but this movie is just i think one of the best coming of age stories um i think it tells i think it actually describes like real america like a family america american family wow that was really hard to say um the best in this because like a stepdad moves in basically and like taught how he talks to uh um his you know, son. And like, it, it starts right off the gate with like, how would you describe yourself? Like one to 10. And he could, tells him he's three and he's not really worth anything. And like, he has to like, and he finds like a real like dynamic and a real family in this like water park situation. Sam Rockwell is one of those actors that is absolutely incredible in basically everything he does. And he does a really good, like secondary fatherly role in this movie, but also being like his friend. Um, I think the ending is really good. I've never wanted to punch Steve Carell so much in the face in this movie. Like he is a total asshole. Um, but I think it's, I think it's one of the best coming of age stories. And then warrior, I think warrior is one of the best like sports movies ever made. Um, I think this is absolutely incredible. I think the dynamic between the brothers um, and I love Nick Nolte as the dad. Um, I always joke that I wish Nick Nolte was my dad so he could yell at me in that voice because like I, I, it would scare me, but I would also just know he's he loves me. Um, basically, he he does such a good job in this role of just like made so many mistakes as a dad when he was old, and the kids like never let him basically forget it, and he's trying to work on like fixing it, but again, some bridges are burned a little too far that it's hard to make that up. And I think it tells that story really well in this. Um, I think the MMA fighting is really interesting too, but I love the brother dynamic, especially how it ends. Um, so yeah, War is my 58. Okay. Um, let me go back on these few good men. 
I would say my opinion, I went back and rewatched this. I've always had, I, I know it's kind of infamous my rating of this. I've had it pretty low. I went back and watched it. I think you were right the first time. It's a good movie with a great scene at the end. And that scene at the end is so fantastic. I'll talk about that in a minute. But I think um, the the rest of the movie is good and it falters a little bit. Like, like I don't think Tom Cruise's performance is fantastic the whole way through. Uh, Nicholson's great, but he's not. I, I didn't realize. It's been so long since I just, I didn't realize he's only in like three scenes. Like he's barely in this movie at all. And the movie could definitely use some more of him. Uh, but Kevin Pollock's really good. I really like him in this. And uh, yeah, but that last scene is just so good. Just just the chess game of you know him deciding whether or not he's going to go. You know how far he's going to push him if he's going to go for it. And just all the moving parts and the different things happening, like how Nicholson pisses off the judge, and that kind of impacts how everything moves forward from there. And just a whole bunch of little things like that. So that last scene is great. And, you know, it gets all the praise it deserves. Rest of the movie, you know, some of the dialogue, like that scene where he's, you know, where Cruz is flipping out. He's like, what do we have for the losers? Like some of that dialogue is just not as crisp as as it could be. You're a uh, shitty softball so. player. Okay. <laughs> but um, no, overall, I mean, yeah, my, my rating, I, I didn't log it yet because I don't want to give anything away. But my rating for this definitely went up on, on this recent rewatch. Um, but yeah, like I said, it's it's good. Uh, but I think it's just that one great scene that did it really carries it. Um, the way way back, I love this movie. Um, I think this is one of those movies where it's a this community movie, but for a reason because I think we all like really like it. Like nobody's for the most part annoyed anybody with it because everybody finds something they like in this movie. Uh, yeah, Krell's great. And it's a huge departure for him. You never see him play a character like this. Just uh, I mean, Michael Scott was like ignorantly stupid, like but just. Uh, See somebody play, him play like somebody mean is is weird. Um, and so I'm Rockwell, yeah, like you said, he's just the best thing in anything he's in, and this is a perfect role for him. Uh, so so that's a really good movie, really good pick. And uh, Warrior, I really like Warrior. Um, just the family dynamics, really good, like you said, with Nick Nolte and the brothers, and try you know, trying to overcome that history. And um, you know, again, it's one of those things where you know, the best sports movies like the sport is a metaphor for life. And I think they do a really good uh, job with that. Um, plus, this is a, uh, a Pittsburgh movie, Pittsburgh and Philadelphia, actually. Uh, but a lot of it takes place in Pittsburgh, so you get you always get points for that. Um, but yeah, I knew three, what I was doing. Uh, three solid picks there, and uh, now let's move on to Ethan for his uh, his bottom three. All right, my number sixty is the original, uh, "The Day the Earth Stood Still," nineteen fifty one. Yeah, mad chance, Cody. <laughs> Uh, my number 59 is Being John Malkovich. And my 58 is Chunking Express. All right. So, The Day of the Earth Stood Still. Um, this movie uh, is one of those sci-fi movies that just brilliantly does slow burn. Not like realistic, but like... Really, a slightly realistic approach to an alien in, not invasion, but an alien landing, right? Um, sort of how Arrival tackles it. An alien named Klaatu lands on Earth, and he comes in peace, and almost immediately the U.S. government, the army, shoots him. And, like, he was like, what are you doing? Like, I was just here to, to be peaceful. Uh, he brings this um, this giant, like, robot thing named Gort, and he basically tells uh, the Earth, he says, uh, I need to speak to all of your leaders at once because if you guys cannot be peaceful together, we're, Earth will be eliminated. Um, and for a movie that was made in the 50s, 
it is so insanely relevant to today because the world leaders obviously refuse to get together. They will not comply, even if they're faced with complete destruction. Um, it's it's a movie that like really just emphasizes like how important it is uh, for world peace and but like not in a way that hits you over the head. It's just kind of like like if if you're presented with death, which you really are, and you can't just make that simple choice to get together and just you know work things out. Um, the the most important man on the earth in in the eyes of Klaatu is um, a, a scientist um, who he feels he can work with on this, and it's just like it's such a great movie to watch for. It's it's a little you know it's got like it's got a little bit of that fifties like thriller vibe to it, but it's mostly just like um, about humanity and and through the lens of this uh, this interesting alien story. Uh, yeah, it's fantastic. Um, my number fifty nine being John Malkovich. Uh, people in this community, I think, probably know that I am a little bit of a fan of Charlie Kaufman. I think he's a pretty good writer, um, and by pretty good, I think he's probably like the best screenwriter alive. Um, I love his movies. I'm all about high concept movies. We know this. And this movie has a really, really high concept. Um, if you crawl through a certain tunnel in a building on the seven and a half floor, you end up in John Malkovich's brain for like five minutes or whatever. You get to just be in his mind. Um, and like, that's like one of the craziest ideas ever. This is Charlie Kaufman's first movie. Spike Jones's first movie. Spike Jones is also one of my favorite directors. Um, it's so stylistically shot. The acting is so weird and off, but like in a really funny way. Uh, John Cusack is this like crazy like puppeteer. Um, John Malkovich as like a heightened version of himself. Uh, this movie is just like tackling all these themes of like what it means to be like what is the self and like what does it mean to be controlled and like all this crazy stuff that's tackled in it through this like insane premise um, that it's just it's really funny it's it's kind of dark in a lot of ways and it just kind of comes together in this in, insane ending that i just i think is fantastic um i want to see charlie coffin's movies until i die um and then at my number 58 chunking express um wong kar wai is a, a master a master filmmaker um he was editing a like an epic war movie um and he was like getting lost in it he couldn't figure it out so he just decided to in like two months make one of the best movies like ever he just was like, yeah, I'll just make a small little movie about people and love and misconnections in Hong Kong, and it'll become this, you know, whatever. And it was, it's incredible. It's about, there's these two segments, basically. The first half of the movie, second half of the movie. Each one is about two people falling or not falling in love. So um, it's just very contemplative. It's very much about human connection and what that means and the music in this movie like it's some of the best needle drops you'll ever hear um anyone who's seen this movie knows exactly what two songs i'm talking about um they're tony leong as a cop and fei wong as this uh, this woman who works at this food place that he goes to uh have such insane chemistry and it's so fun to watch her and him interact and there's a lot of different perspectives you get and and things that i won't say so you can just watch it and enjoy for yourself but uh, there's also a scene in this movie where Fei Wong covers Dreams by the Cranberries and she dances to it in a scene and it's one of the best things you'll ever see in your life. Uh, this is a great movie. You should all watch it. All right. Uh, Day there starts, stood still. Uh, that is a great pick. Uh, I'm a big fan of this movie. Uh, yeah, like you said, it's really relevant and it's just very modern for a 50s. You know, when, when you think of it, this is the era of like drive-in alien movies where it's just like, you know, space invaders and, you know, 
them blowing everything up and then being the big monster. Um, this one's a real thinker uh, for that era. And like you said, just that idea that that character who's so peaceful and you know he's he's nonviolent, but at the same time he's threatening to destroy the world is just so interesting. Like just that 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 idea of you know thinking so much bigger than just just our planet. Um, and just the special effects, like for the fifties, like the, the Gort design and the spaceship, and everything, it's like the best possible episode of Twilight Zone. And I love the Twilight Zone. So that's, that's a compliment coming from me. Um, but yeah, I, I, I really like that movie. Uh, being John Malkovich, I rewatched last week for the first time, you know, maybe since it came out, I hadn't seen it in a while. Uh, forgot how bonkers this movie was, you know, aside from just like the, the basic premise, which is crazy. Um, but just like how funny it is and how what kind of wacky and just like the different characters and everything. Um, I really enjoyed it. I had fun with it. Uh, it gets a little like darker at the end, of course. Um, but just the different, like, I love the boss character and just his, how ridiculous he is. I love watching <laughs> Cody wants to talk so bad. No. <laughs> love watching his face. Um, but no, uh, beam Joe milk, which is good. And uh, Chunky Express, this is one I need to rewatch. I watched this when I first got Criterion Channel, but I was going through, I was like plowing through like a bunch of like non English language movies. Um, so love and blend together. Um, I think the one story was with the, the cop, right? And yeah, that's the second yeah. one. Yeah. And then the first one is the girl that works at like the, 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 the counter, like the, the, the diner, right? The, the cop and the girl at the counter are the same story. They're in the second part. Okay. The, okay. That's, she's, she's like in the first part of the, she's in yeah. both parts. Yeah, that's that. I like the first story, I think, better than the second one, but they're both pretty good. But I do have to go back and watch it because, I, like I said, it's been a while since I watched it. I was watching a ton of stuff then. Um, so um, I kind of missed it. I wanted to rewatch it for this episode. I just didn't have time. Um, but another three good picks. Uh, so let's move on to Brian and uh, go through your uh, start with your number 60. All right, my number 60 is The Nice Guys. My number 59 is Kick Ass. And my number 58 is The Usual Suspects. So, uh, The Nice Guys. Um, The Nice Guys is, uh, well, for Paul Oyama in the chat, another movie prominently featuring Yoohoo. So, you can add that to your list. Um, Maybe that'll be tonight's penis count. I don't know. Uh, (laughs) The Nice Guys. uh, Shane Black is one of my favorite writers. I really like the way he writes, uh, especially dialogue. Um, And then he's gone and got into directing with mostly good results. Now, Now, like Iron Man 3, I like a lot more than a lot of people. Predator, a lot of people, the, the Predator, a lot of people didn't like, but that was a lot of studio interference, kind of changed everything he had there. But when he gets to do his own thing, like he's not dealing with somebody else's sandbox, when he's writing his own movies, he's just a lot of fun. And this movie was just a ton of fun. I mean, I, the, Russell Crowe and Ryan Gosling and their comedic abilities here was just a revelation to me. I mean, they've both been in comedies before, but not kind of this, this style of kind of more wacky comedy. And everything from just the facial expressions that that uh, that Ryan Gosling gives in certain scenes to to um, some of the like nonsensical violence that actually becomes comedic, and the whole plot. Now the plots, like any Shane Black movie, gets kind of convoluted, but the plot's just kind of secondary. It's just kind of a, a modern noir tale uh, set in the '70s here, but it's kind of a modern noir. But it's it's all about the characters, and he writes great characters and great dialogue, and I just really enjoy that movie. Um, Kickass. Kick-Ass uh, came out, I mean, this is like the pre-Deadpool era. So, I mean, most of your comic book movies were still, uh, you know, just made for the whole family or they're, they're relatively clean. Um, Kick-Ass kind of came out and said, you know, no, we're not going to do that. We're going to make a super violent movie. It's not going to be censored for a PG-13 rating. Um, Matthew Vaughn does a great job. I, I think the writing is, uh, this is one where the source material, it's actually very 
very uh, faithful to the source material. If you've ever read the comic graphic novel, and I thought they did a great job of translating it here. Uh, Aaron Taylor Johnson does a great job in the lead. Um, Chloe Grace Moretz kind of broke through this. I, I don't think she's ever really lived up to her potential that she showed here when she was still very young, but she was great. Um, and of course, Mark Strong makes a great villain. He's good in everything he does. Um, it's got a uh, great soundtrack. You talk about some needle drops, like some of those, like that hallway battle scene where, where uh, Pit Girl gets to go off. It's got some great music to it as well. Um, the Usual Suspects. Um, this was the first movie, I think the first movie by Brian Singer. And it was the first, his first major release. Uh, and the first movie written by Christopher McQuarrie, who of course has gone on to, uh, to do great directing of his own. Um, this is Brian Singer before he like went into like, doing all the superhero movies, things like that. He kind of broke onto the scene. And this movie, uh, talking again about a good crime, a good noir movie, um, and setting aside the whole Kevin Spacey thing, because Kevin Spacey does a great job in here. Um, he he deserved the Oscar that he won for Best Supporting Actor in this. And, you know, putting aside everything we know about him since then, his performance here is great. But really, all five of the main, the main leads, I thought, had a great chemistry. I thought that they worked very well together. Um, and this is a movie that at the time was kind of a new voice. Uh, I, I really like Brian Singer and Christopher McCory's style. I've already talked about Christmas, Christopher McCory's uh, writing with uh, Way of the Gun I talked about earlier. Um, so this is a movie that just really made me kind of stand up and pay attention to these two new people. All right. Um, yeah, I agree with you. Everything you said on the nice guys, uh, that is Shane Black at his best, just doing, you know, character work and dialogue. And uh, the two of them, the two leads in that are, are so good. Ryan Gosling, like you said, uh, coming in and doing that kind of like, just showing like the kind of like comedic timing he has uh, for, you know, just, you know, like a lot of the silent comedy and the physical comedy that he was, he does in that movie is really good. Um, so yeah, I really enjoy that one. Uh, Kick-Ass is another one. I think, you know, compared to Deadpool, the thing about Deadpool is like, we knew we were, we kind of knew we were getting into it. Deadpool. Um, it was, you know, so hyped up and everybody knew who Deadpool was. This kind of came out of nowhere. Like, you know, when you saw, you know, what it was, it was, you know, actually kind of shocking because like you said, we had, at that point we had never seen anything like that before and just how over the top it was. And um, so, yeah, it's a lot of fun. Um, I don't think the sequel lived up to it at all, um, but this one's still pretty solid. And then um, Usual Suspects, this is another one I hadn't seen, you know, pretty much since it came out, uh, rewatched it, and yeah, it holds up really well. And it's one of those ones I went back to, and I was like, well, you know, knowing the ending, because that's the big thing, it's a twist ending, you know, is it going to be still as enjoyable to rewatch? I really liked it because you go back, and there's so many things you pick up on, so many little subtle things, like, you know, when, when, when Spacey f first sits down in the, in the office, and he looks up, and he just kind of glances up at the, at, the, at the bulletin board, and you don't think anything of it. And then, you know, there's, there's certain scenes where we're talking about Jose, and, you know, like, who he is, and then you just see verbal, like, they just, like, focus on him standing in the corner. And, um, you know, so many things you look back like, oh, they're totally giving it away, but it's done so so well and so subtly. Um, but beyond that, it's still a good story. It's still just a really nice uh, crime thriller. Like you said, the entire that, that that whole, you know, group of five, they're all so good at what they do. Yeah. Um, and Kevin Pollock, actually bringing him up again, I actually watched this and uh, a few good men back to back. So it was like a Kevin Pollock uh, double feature. And what ha happened to that guy? That guy's so good. Like, why did he do more movies? Like, <laughs> you know, at least big, big stuff. Because he was so good, both of those. He started um, doing podcasts with Sam Levine. <laughs> well, that's something. Uh, but yeah, that's uh, uh, that, that's still a good pick. So yeah, um, yeah, I like all three of those movies. So uh, so far, so good. Nothing to complain about. Uh, Zach, you going to change that at all? 
Hey, hey, well, it really is going to get our first skip of this first round, uh, which is my number 60 is Jaws. Yikes. There we go. Yeah. Okay. Yikes. My, you're a little slow there. Uh, so your X doesn't even count anymore, Ethan. You might as well take it off your list. All right. Uh, my 50, <laughs> my 59 is Inside Lewin Davis. Yeah. My 58, I drink every time Cody pulls that same joke. Here we go. 58. <laughs> Um, is Paddington? Everybody two. take a drink when he goes over a minute and a half talking about the same thing. Oh, starting my clock. Okay, <laughs> no one's allowed to drink on my watch. Okay, inside Lewin Davis. I can't have the clock and my notes up. Did anybody pay, okay. yikes Paddington too? I think we we, we unfortunately not. But... Okay, so be- it's the best movie of all time. Right so now. We'll just, it is the best movie of all time. But <laughs> um, Citizen Kane now my list. Um, inside Lewin Davis, um, you know one of my favorite Coen Brothers movies. This might be my favorite. Is this my number one? I don't know. I don't remember my list. Um, but I think they are best when they're working with music, and especially um, you know the folk scene using T Bone Burnett, who you know is the music supervisor for any um, modern movie that deals with country or folk. But I think um, putting them in this. Um, 60s New York um, folk scene was just kind of perfect for the Coen brothers because um, they have the right amount of like cynicism to deal with a failed musician. Every time there's like a moment of sentimentality in my take, it just gets so undercut by by going completely um, the other direction. Um, it, it, it's about one of their most, um, you know, self-destructive characters. You know, they've had someone who, who you know, can't achieve possibly because of his own... Um, unwillingness to be not be a struggling musician it's almost like this is what he takes his identity as that he wouldn't know what to do if he succeeds um and i think it really only hits on rewatch because the first time i think it's so uncomfortable that you're kind of left unsure of it um especially with some of the more um not magical realism but surrealistic moments that like i don't understand how he's repeating the same moments but it makes sense as you watch it 90 seconds done 58 um, Paddington 2. Um, this is a movie about pure joy. Um, it's a, you know, anytime you're having a bad day, this and there's one other movie that'll be way up my list is something just to remind us how to be better humans. Um, because I think they deal with it in such a sincere way, and you know, it can come off inauthentic or um, glib. Um, in other hands, but I think Paul King had the perfect touch and he had the perfect character with Paddington to pull it off. But just a, a you know, it's a movie about being nice to people and how that can affect the community around you um, by being nice to one person at a time. Sounds so simple, but it comes off so lovely onto this movie. I think the imagination and the um, like use of color and use of magical realism really helps make this something bigger than a kid's movie. It's like if Paul King is the closest to making altruistic um, kids' movies there is, I want him to stay in that realm. It's in Fress Anderson, you know, directed children's films. Um, there's, you know, two scenes, the, picture book that kind of comes to life, the pop-up book, as he imagines, Paddington imagines his aunt, um, can explore it. It's just so beautiful to look at and so imaginative, as well as um, Paddington being stuck in a prison cell, as you know, the bear deserves. Um, then imagining the jungle coming up um, through him. Uh, it, once again, just lovely, and that's something you're seeing in a kid's movie. And then the last five seconds, it's also earned and paid throughout the movie in the heart that, um, you know, there's never been a better animated hug that can make me me weep than Panther 2. Yeah, three seconds to spare. Done. 
<laughs> okay. Um, Jaws got yiked. Uh, Inside Lewin Davis. Uh, this is a good movie. Uh, very, you know, it's kind of, it doesn't feel like a Coen Brothers. I mean, some days it does, but like it doesn't have like that, you know, like that obvious Coen Brothers style to it. Um, but it's still really solid. Uh, Oscar Isaac's really good. It's just like this kind of like, he's just a, just like a very, like one of those characters where you don't like him, but like you, I mean, he's not likable, but you still you like connect with him, and you just you know following him on his journey. You, you want to see him, you know, you kind of want to see him succeed and see where he's going to go. And it just you know just one of those things where you know it's not going to work out for him. Um, so many great you know memorable scenes of this. You know, you got the uh, please Mr. Kennedy with Adam Driver and uh, Justin Timberlake. Uh, but for the the person still to show this movie for me is John Goodman. Um, this is my favorite Goodman Cones character. Uh, I just love him so much. You'll find this interesting. And when he's talking about like, you know, putting the curse on him, the voodoo curse on him, just like real, like laid back in the back of his car. It's so good. Uh, he, 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 I, I love that scene. That's, that's my, without a doubt, my favorite scene of this movie. Um, but still a really solid pick uh, all the way around. Uh, Paddington 2. Enough of this movie, seriously. I mean, come on. And I'm not even saying that because of the whole Rotten Tomatoes thing. Like, this is—I've had this take on this for years. Um, it's it's fine. It's a charming family movie. Um, I can point to three dozen other charming family movies that do exactly what this movie does. And it's it's not really that special. Um, you don't get to talk right now, Ethan. Um, there's really just there's nothing. I, I just, it's, you know, it's number one on Rotten Tomatoes. You know, it's like somebody at Rotten Tomatoes like, our website isn't enough of a total joke. What can we do today to to really just completely tarnish any, you know, reputation we have? Um, but, and then it's like top 50 on Letterboxd. I just, it's, it's, it's fine. But I mean, top 60 of all time? No. This is um, why I'm going to lose because Kirk forgot what it means to be a child and what joy is in general. So I'm f- I'm fucking screwed because that's all I. I didn't about. forget. I'm just not one anymore. <laughs> I can't help that. Time marches on, Zach. What am I supposed to do about it? But uh, okay, that's the first stinker of the top threes. Uh, let's move on to Cody. Um, we're going to start your. This is where everybody comes in. Uh, Cody, we'll start with what's this going to be? Your uh, fifty-seven. Even as a heartless asshole as myself, Paddington 2 is a fucking delight. My number 57 is The King of Comedy. It would be really wrong for me to put Joker higher than The King of Comedy, so I had to I had to make sure I did not. Um, as, as much as I like Joker, I think King of Comedy just works better because it's not as dark. It's actually like... It is kind of dark, though, when you think about it. Like, Scorsese's switch on this. This movie does not get brought up in the same breath as Taxi Driver, Goodfellas, um, and his later 2000s work. I think this is one of his best films. And I think De Niro is one of his top ten performances in this role. A man that can't take a fucking clue whatsoever and just keeps going. And... It's like the celebrity of Jerry Lewis, like, all right, I'll give you a shit. Come on in. And then he just keeps, and then he shows up at his house and he keeps, and then he ties him to the chair and he's just like, I let this guy have an inch and he took everything. And this guy is, and Jerry Lewis his comedic delivery with Robert De Niro is like straight. Like you wouldn't say that right now, get out of my house and leave forever. 
it just works so well. Um, there's a lot of inspiration from this in the Joker. I understand that. Um, but I think this just works because Jerry Lewis and I think De Niro play off each other so well. Oh, who is his girlfriend in this? Um, I'm really bad. I'm really bad at trivia. This is why I don't play. Um, maybe it's nothing, no one big, and I, I'm fine with not knowing it. No, uh, I'm trying to remember. It's Sandra it's not, Bern- Sandra Bernhard. Yeah, Bernhard. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think sh- their dynamic of uh, like uh, the how crazy she is in this film. Like when uh, Robert De Niro leaves and leaves him, her and uh, Jerry Lewis in the same house. Yeah, it's just. I think this movie works. Um, I think it's one of Scorsese's best, and the comedy is really good, but then the dark twist that this movie has is really incredible. Yeah, this movie's fantastic. That line, it walks just between, like, crazy. Like, it's almost like they just took Taxi Driver and Travis Bickle and just, like, knocked it on its, you know, office axis just a little bit towards, like, comedy. And it, it just works so well. Uh, this is... Definitely like my top two or three De Niro performances. Uh, just because you never really know just how, if it's just him, if he's psychotic or if he's just that oblivious or if he's like using the obliviousness as an excuse to just push his, you know, what he wants to get what he wants. Uh, and it's just, he, he, like I said, he walks that line so well. And, you know, just, just see down in his basement when he's recorded the, uh, you know, recorded the show with his mom, mom, leave me alone. And, uh, just the, the the and uh just him that progression of him like pushing in like not stopping like not knowing when to quit you know showing up you know getting the guy's limo showing up at his house and just thinking it's okay uh you know you said and the Lewis, last bit when he's like doing his whole stand up thing like yeah, it's, yeah. It's, yeah yeah like he thinks yeah. like there's nothing wrong with anything he's doing and yeah, Jerry Lewis is great this that the, the my favorite scene in the whole movie is the uh cue card scene just like when he's sitting there he's like the the, the card is like he's more annoyed than scared, you know. These are done places like the card is upside down. Flip the uh, card, yeah. <laughs> it's so good. He's just how you know, exasperated he is with these people. It's so good. It's it's a great movie. Um, yeah, this is definitely you know, I think I had this probably somewhere in the same spot for my top 100, not sure. Um, but yeah, this is definitely a great choice. I love this one. Uh, everybody else, okay, comedy. I haven't seen it yet. I did see the, I saw Joker though. <laughs> yeah, um, it's one of my biggest Scorsese holes, but I, I can't watch it anytime soon because everyone in our community logged in the past year or two years adoring it. So I, I have to avoid looking like I'm on the bandwagon as much as possible. So I, I, at least five more years before people forget um, 10 people watch on the same day. I just saw this movie for the first time uh, like in 2019, I think. Um, and I actually really enjoyed it. I mean, you know, I'm not a big Scorsese guy and his stuff is usually, this isn't kind of my, my lane. Um, but I, I really liked it. I think a lot of that's due to the performances. I think, uh, Robert De Niro does a great job. I think Jerry Lewis is good mostly because this is probably the closest to actual Jerry Lewis that he's ever played himself. <laughs> you know, instead of doing the zany comedy, he's kind of being the asshole, which, you know, by all accounts he kind of was. Um, but yeah, and obviously there's, there's all the Joker comparisons, of course. I think that's why I saw this because I was hearing comparisons. So I checked it out. But um, yeah, good story. If the Joker pushed people towards King Comedy, then it succeeded somewhere, right? Yep. Uh, okay. Uh, what's your next one, Cody? All right, my number fifty-six is Fargo. Uh, previously, yikes! Right? I think so. Yeah. Oh, I'm safe with Andrew Barr. 
This is good. Um, <laughs> and science. Uh, yeah, again, this is another movie that did not know is like highly regarded in the community until like Boatman, Bar, Coho, you know, it's from there. Um, or around there, so uh, you have this different thing, but uh, this movie's just really smart, uh, in all its delivery. I'm not a Coen Brothers fan, but when Coen Brothers hit, they hit really hard for me. Like, they're some of my favorite movies of all time. Fargo's one of them. This is a movie that doesn't overstay its welcome, like, it's a very simplistic story that's just but a lot of shit happens in that hour 30 minutes that they give you. Um, I think uh, William H. Macy and uh, uh, Francis McDormand are giving two of the best performances of the nineties in this role. Um, especially every scene that they have together. Uh, like when she, William H. Macy thinks he's getting away with everything, like everything's going to plan. And then this just small cop shows up and fucking wrecks everything. Um, uh, and basically, and the father-in-law, um, I just love the father-in-law dynamic in this movie with William H. Macy. Just basically, well, I'm not a bank. I'm not just giving you money. <laughs> like This is not how this works. I don't give a damn about you. I give a care about my daughter, not you. I'll deliver the money. And then all the shit goes down. And, you know, the famous, like, Woodchopper scene and stuff. But, yeah, that scene where they're inside and she's like, well, it has any cars. No, there's not any cars. Well, have you done it? Like, have you checked? Yeah, of course I've checked. When's the last time? Like, just keep, and then he yells at her and is like, no need to raise your voice with me. And then she finally starts putting the clues together and it all just goes fucking south. Steve Buscemi, that's he, he's in this movie. Right? Mm-hmm. Uh, he's absolutely incredible. Um, those, to that dynamic of the two, like, when he gets shot and then, well, if you haven't seen it, sorry, turn out, like, don't pay attention. When he gets shot in the neck and just holds it like that, basically he's bleeding out everywhere. It just, it just really works. There's a lot of things that I, um, this movie keeps going up on rewatch, um, but with Bar close, I just can't put it higher because you know he's a hack. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> um, you had this. Yep, I had this at somewhere in my eighties, I think. But yeah, this this movie is perfect. It's it is my favorite Coen Brothers movie. Um, yeah, I mean, I agree with everything Cody said. I actually think that um, Steve Buscemi and Peter Stormare are like my favorite part of it. Like, I love watching them go on their little like road trip and like you know just they have to such funny hijinks and like all their dialogue is hilarious. Um, but Peter Stormare is also like really scary. Um, even for like this bumbling crook, like these two idiots. Um, I love, this has been talked about a lot, but I love the, the idea of telling the audience that this is based on a true story when it's not. Um, and so many people still think it is, but it's like, I just think that's so funny. Um, this movie gave birth to a great TV show. I've only seen the first two seasons. Those two seasons are great. Um, yeah, it's it's a yeah. I mean, there's they do so many things in this movie that like shouldn't work for a movie, like introducing Francis McDormand as late as they do, and like having you know a lot the, the tone of it, like the comedy and the darkness and the the violence, it all is just like blended so perfectly and so well. Um, it's 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 fun to watch, even though it's like dark and upsetting at times, um, because of there's like these moments of realism, even with like this this weird dark humor. Um, and uh, yeah, just it's 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 such a great watch every time. Uh, yeah, this is a movie that grows on me the more I watch it. I think that's probably the case for most Coen Brothers movies. Uh, but yeah, the action, the 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 acting this is so good. So many great characters. Uh, William H Macy just plays like the perfect sad sack. 
and he's so perfectly cast this so, like he's so downtrodden like you don't agree with what he did but you kind of understand what you know where his desperation come like the way everybody treats him the way his father-in-law treats him like why he's so desperate to make something on his own and it's just like every, everybody's it's just a bunch of dumb people and then uh because you like you said uh ethan uh stormare and Buscemi are just these like bumbling it's just, you could tell they think they're like criminal masterminds but they're just both really dumb and kind of just bumbling through it and then you bring uh uh francis mcdormand's character in it uh and she's so i love the way they introduce her because you think at first she's just going to be like this kind of bumbling cop you know like local uh, you know podunk cop and then they show like right away you, you see like how you, her doing like the detective work and figure it out so it kind of like informs her later on like putting this whole thing together piece it together on her own um so yeah it's really really fun like you said ethan it's very dark and at times it's also very fun and almost you know whimsical uh so it's, and it, that's a hard combination to get used to. The first couple times I watched it, I really wasn't into it, but the more I watched it, the more I, I enjoy that. Uh, Brian and uh, Zach, why did you guys have Fargo on your list? I like Fargo. I mean, it's not, it's not one of my favorite Coen Brothers movies, but I really enjoy it. Um, I think Frances McDormand is phenomenal in it. This is kind of the movie. I mean, she had done stuff before this, but this is kind of the first movie where you kind of, you know, really saw what she can do and kind of, you know, she became like an actress to watch. Um, I think the rest of the movie doesn't quite live up to the same level. Not to say it's not good, but I think she's just she's so good, and and William H Macy as well. But then the rest of the movie, the story in that is is good, but not great for me. Um, my favorite memory of this movie actually has nothing to do with the movie itself. Is that when it first came out on video, you could buy it packaged with a wood chipper snow globe, <laughs> and it was like when you shook it up, there'd be the white and red flying around in the middle of it. So that was fun. <laughs> Yeah, I I don't have anything interesting to say. I like Fargo quite a bit. I do think it's um, interesting that we talk about pop fiction as being the, one of the more influential movies in the 90s as far as spurring so many ripoffs and no one could duplicate what they ever do. And I think Fargo is equal to that. I think there's so many things trying to capture this Coen Bresk um, dialogue and Coen Bresk mood um, directly related to Fargo and, and nothing could do it successful because they just have the magic formula to get this done. Um, I just don't think I love it as much because there's no animated bear in pink prison suits. So that's why it'd be better. All right. What's your next one, Cody? Um, so I'm, I'm just going to call this run uh, community movies where they go to die because I didn't realize what I did, but here they are. Uh, my next one's the 55 is the social network. Yikes. Yikes. It's not as much of a community movie. That's just a world movie. Everybody. Well, I know, but it's very <laughs> well talked about in this community. Listen, I don't talk to Larry the Postman. He talks to me about social network. Caleb Cola doesn't shut the fuck up about social network. So, uh, <laughs> this one's going to be a yikes from I say real quick. It's one of my favorite movies of the 90s. It's one of the best action movies of the 90s. I, You can't let a bus go below 55 at speed. Yikes. I fucking knew it. Shocker. <laughs> I'm shocked. <laughs> and then I'm done. Sweet. All right, moving over to Ethan for your. Uh, I knew as soon as I put it on there, Brian would have My number 57 is a, a movie of class. Uh, it's a sequel. It's one of the best sequels ever made. Gremlins 2, The New Batch. Now, any yikes on this one? No? Okay. So, Gremlins 1, great movie. We all love it. The puppets, Joe Dante. <laughs> Uh, I love that, Brian. Um, the puppets are great. You know, you got the Spielberg charm because you produced it. All that, you know, it's it's fantastic. This movie does what all great sequels should do. It takes the original and it's like, 
what if we just did a ton of cocaine and did this again? And then you get Gremlins too. Um, Joe Dante, I think the story was that he like didn't want to do it, but the the studio was like, you can do whatever you want. And he was like, okay. So he just made like this crazy like spoof, like meta, ridiculous, like crazy nonsense movie with with Gremlins. And I love it. I know a lot of people don't like it because it shifts tones. It's not a horror movie anymore, really. It's just like, you know, but the first one's goofy anyway. So just get over it. It's 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 fun. You know, you got different a, a scientist who's got like all these different DNA tubes and like the gremlins get into them and then each gremlin becomes a different type of gremlin. You got like the spider gremlin, you got like sexy gremlin, you got like um science scientist gremlin who's like really smart and he like leads it's, it's you got electricity gremlin. Um it's great. You know, you're you're in a, a big you're in essentially Trump Tower, clamp clamp something, clamp industries, whatever. Um Billy's back, Phoebe Cates is back. They they make fun of the dumb monologue Phoebe Cates has in the first one and makes it even more ridiculous in this one. Uh, it has one of the best fourth wall breaks of all time. Spoilers if you haven't seen it, but I'm going to talk about it. Uh, in which you're watching the movie and the film reel burns up. And you're like, what's happening? And then you cut and you're in a movie theater and Hulk Hogan stands up and he's like, what the hell? What's going on? And, and the projectionist is like, Mr. Hogan, there's, there's gremlins in the projection room. And he's like, gremlins? And then you're like... <laughs> rips his shirt off and yells at the gremlins to put the movie back on and they do it's it's incredible this movie is i love it so much it's it's crazy madness and it's better than the first one gremlins gremlins do um yeah my my opinion on this movie has evolved over the years because like when it first came out as a kid i was like, I was like oh more gremlins and then i watch it like oh it's so exciting because like you know as a kid you're like oh it's just all these like cartoony cool different new gremlins so excited about that as like you know got older i was like okay that's kind of dumb they kind of did some stupid stuff with the movie there and then like the more i like watched it and the more i you know like you're saying like came to understand the backstory of it i really appreciate it more and just that that's the best thing about this movie is just the fact that they're willing that they let dante go so nuts with it and just basically do whatever he wanted he he was he was done with gremlins like he wasn't interested in like he he kind of like accepted like the the, the dumbness of the first one is like yeah i don't want to do that anymore and so this one he kind of just embraces that and spoofs it and just spoofs sequels in general and uh does you know so many cool things with it um yeah uh uh, it's John Glover, right? Is the is is Clamp? Yes, so yeah. good. He's so he's so good as Clamp, so and um, who else? Christopher Lee is the mad scientist. Yeah. Uh, it just all, all, a lot of cool little little roles I like, get. Yeah, just just Clamp Tower is so neat. Like with just all the different stuff and like this, you know, the smart building and everything. Uh, it's just a lot of fun. Yeah, it's again. I understand why people look at it like that's crazy. It's 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 dumb, but like. It's it's smart dumb if you if you know what I mean like it's 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 smart control stupidity and I really enjoy that so um, everybody else uh, saw some reactions hold there. on hold on what are your thoughts on Gremlins too <laughs> you're giving this man a pass on fifty seven putting Gremlins two on yes. here <laughs> what are we it's doing a little high. what have uh, I given you the range of you insult this man for putting Paddington two on his thing and you're saying oh I understand the stupidity of it. Stop <laughs> this. I did not I have not seen this movie because I everybody has told me how bad this movie is. No, stop. <laughs> and you're just gonna sit there and accept it at 57? Do you realize what he had lower than this? <laughs> this is insane. 
You flipped papers around for somebody that had the mummy at number one of their favorite movies, and he walked in here and survived four weeks, had Fargo in his 80s, and walked in here with gremlins. You're like, man, I understand. Hulk Hogan. <laughs> this is bullshit. This is absolute. <laughs> Oh, that's good stuff. Um, no, well, first of all, I know what I'm getting with Ethan, and I'm okay with it. Um, oh, you know, if Paddington 2 would have had electrical Paddington and vegetable Paddington <laughs> and sexy Paddington and bat Paddington, we're saving that for board. Paddington 3. Wait for sexy Paddington. I'm pumped. Okay. All right. I, I, think, I think Ethan best described what he said it was gremlins if they you know did it, took a whole bunch of cocaine and wrote the sequel. This is absolutely what this is. And it's, I mean, it goes a lot stranger to like Looney Tunes. It definitely leans more into the comedy. I never, the first one was never really a horror film, but it was closer to horror than this one was. This one definitely leans into comedy. Um, I think at one point, even that, doesn't the sexy gremlin, they imply it had sex with like a human scientist or something like that at one point? Yeah. I think, yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought so. Yeah, that should go um, after the, uh, the, the security guard, I think. I, I don't. Part of. I, yeah, I don't like this near as much as the first one personally, but I, I do enjoy this movie. Um, the Hulk Hogan scene you're talking about, it's funny because when it first came out on, again, on home video, they replaced it where it would go, instead of the film burning up, it would go to static and John Wayne came on and yelled at the, uh, and yelled at the Gremlins. I think most of the versions now you watch that, like in streaming and that, they've just do the original theatrical version, mm -hmm. which you can probably find on YouTube where they had John Wayne doing it. So I have to watch that. That's incredible. Yeah. How they decided to Hulk Hogan? Um, I hadn't seen since since I was a kid, which is weird because I've watched Gremlins like five times as an adult, and for some reason never felt a need to turn this on. I I, I don't know why. Um, except once he said "sexy Gremlin," then like I'm watching it tomorrow. Like I'm so. Um, <laughs> but also once you say Hulk Hogan, like I'm a little getting unsold because that's not something I need in my life. We don't need Hulk Hogan in 2021. We'll be okay. <laughs> All right. Uh... Andrew, what is your or Andrew Ethan? What is your fifty-six? No, uh, he would very have different better list. Movie taste. Yeah. Better. Okay, wow. Cody hates Andrew's movie taste until I have my movie taste, and then he's like, "Yeah, Andrew's got good movie." I taste. just hate this biased bullshit that's happening on the show right now. That you walk in here at fifty-seven. Kirk is a, a man pass. of culture, okay, no, and he can make his own decisions. Not, yeah, he I'm not convinced the money wasn't passed. All right, but you, anyway. can't call, you can't call faction shenanigans because he hates my stuff. So no, I'm not so. calling faction. I'm just saying I, I think he's on. I think he's a robot. <laughs> All right, anyway. My number fifty six is Evil Dead Two: Dead by Dawn. Um, this is another sequel, two in a row. Uh, the sequel to my last pick, you could say, um, that does what the first movie does, but just better. It is Sam Raimi's best best horror movie because it. it this is where Evil Dead becomes Evil Dead. It becomes the perfect blend of horror, comedy, and sanity that you come to expect from this franchise. Bruce Campbell hams it up times 10. Um, the gore effects are multiplied by 100 from the first movie because you get a real budget now. Um, this movie does something so fun, which I love. The first like like five minutes, I guess, or first few minutes of it, whatever, are like a remake of the first movie. And it just gives you like a little recap, but they reshot it and did you know new things, different effects. They re redo it, give you a little intro, and then it picks up right after the first one ends, um, with Ash just having been possessed by the uh, the Deadite uh, spirits. Um, and uh, yeah, this movie just does so many fun things, like the the blood, the amount of blood in this house, in the cabin in this movie is is so fun and like Looney Tunes crazy with it. Um, the scene where he's like. 
everything in the house is laughing at him. Like the deer head, the lamp starts like bobbing and he's just crazy at that point. So he starts bobbing with it. Um, you get the iconic Ash Williams uh, chainsaw hand and boomstick combo in this movie. Um, it just has everything you want out of Evil Dead. Like this is the quintessential Evil Dead experience and Sam Raimi is just like a master of horror comedy, which is such a hard genre to do well. Um, and it's got like, a you know, everyone it has seen it knows it's got that fantastic tease at the end for Army of Darkness, which also capitalizes on it. Um, and it just makes it like such a fantastic horror trilogy. Uh, yeah, Evil Dead is, is I love it so much. Evil Dead 2 is, is one of the best horror sequels ever made. All right. Uh, fun fact, I have not seen any of the Evil Dead movies. That's a big, uh, uh, you know, blind spot in my horror uh, repertoire, but uh, meant to watch this one. Another one I just didn't get a chance to uh, for the show. Um, I was thinking about just lying and said I, I saw it. I loved it just to, just to piss Cody <laughs> off further. But, um, nice. <laughs> uh, no, this one I haven't seen. Anybody else uh, got anything to say uh, Evil Dead 2? I, I think uh, he actually summed it up great already. I mean, it's, it's, this is kind of where Evil Dead became Evil Dead, and it, it did be, kind of become the perfect uh, horror comedy. Um, it, it largely, it's one of those movies that kind of, kind of half remake, half sequel, and but but it improved on the first one. And uh, of course, Bruce Campbell is just national treasure. I have not. Maybe I've seen this as a, a child, but I don't remember. I, I definitely seen bits of some of the series. Who knows? Uh, so I've never seen any of the, I've seen two of the Evil Dead. I've never seen Evil Dead 1, but I've seen Evil Dead 2 and I've, uh, Army of Darkness. Everybody told me I wouldn't be missing anything if I watched this Evil Dead 2, and what I've learned, you're correct. Um, I think they're just not my movies. I can respect them. Like, I understand why there is a cult following for them. Um, I will say, if you're going to watch Army of Darkness, watch it with Azari and Mike. It makes it a way better movie. Um, but um, Evil Dead 2, just the practical effects and the stuff they're able to... It's out there. It's really weird. It's not my kind of movie, but I can definitely respect what they were going for. And I think Bruce Campbell's fantastic in it. All right. Uh, Ethan, what is your 50... I think 55 right now? 55, yes. Uh, my 55 is Old Boy. Really Spike Lee's, right? Yeah, Spike Lee's old. No, uh, <laughs> Park Chan Wook's Old Boy, which is a masterpiece of revenge, violence, action, thriller, drama, all of that. Uh, that I actually refuse to watch Spike Lee's remake because I can just tell it's going to make me upset. Um, this movie is is like it's just perfect. I mean, it is. This is the first like Korean language movie film that I think I ever saw, and it made me realize like how good Korean film is. Um, this it's hard to talk about this movie without giving a lot away because if you haven't seen it, I'm not going to talk that much about like the actual details of it because I want you to just watch it. Go in blind, as blind as you can. Um, I'll give you the basic premise, though, because it's crazy. This guy um, has this daughter, and in the beginning of the movie, he gets taken by these mysterious people and put in a room, and he's put there for 15 years, and he just has a TV in there, I think, and he is monitored day and night, he cannot kill himself because they'll just heal him. They'll just fix him up. He can't He can't escape. He has no idea who did this. He has no idea why. And then after 15 years, they just let him out. And he's got to figure out who did it. And he's got a very short amount of time to do it. Um, it's like, it's such a great little premise. And the mystery behind why he was thrown in there um, and what you learn about that and like the, the twists and turns that the story takes are just like masterful storytelling. 
Um, it's super, super dark. It's very violent. Um, it's got one of the best uh, action scenes of all time, the hallway scene. Everyone knows who's seen it knows what I'm talking about. Um, that incredible scene where he eats the, the octopus. And it's it's just such a like beautifully like sad, dark, incredible revenge story that like don't look it up if you haven't seen it, just go watch it if you can handle like a dark violent movie. Uh yeah. Old boy, everything you said is absolutely correct. Uh it's a it's a great revenge story, but it doesn't glorify the revenge. Like it's kind of, you know, um, it just presents it and just it's so it's it's such a visceral movie, just from him being stuck in that room and everything he tries, you know, everything he has to do, everything he tries to do, and you know, just you know, how he starts like to try to build himself up to get ready to, you know, for when he's re- released. Uh, and then, like you said, the hallway scene, that fight scene, just, you know, him with that hammer, just people keep coming and just, it just, well, it's like, you just wait for it to edit. It does it. It keeps going. It's so good. And then him eating the octopus, like it's just so like gritty and real. Um, and like, yeah, the story, the, the, I don't, it's not even really a twist. It's just the resolution is just so crazy and out there. And um, yeah, it's a it's a great it's it's a great revenge movie. It's a great martial arts movie. It's a great um, just yeah. It's just it's a great action movie. Um, has anybody else seen Old Boy, the original? It's I've not streaming anywhere. Okay, I've seen the Spike Lee version and Oops. not this, which might be like one of the biggest mistakes I've made in my life. And I can't turn back time, but that that's what happened. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it's not streaming anywhere. It's been on my watch list for a really long time, but I haven't been able to watch it yet. Uh, I have seen actually when I a few years ago, well, several years ago, when I started trying to get more into like a lot of Asian cinema. Uh, this is one of the ones that was kind of on the top of everyone's recommendation list, and so it's one of the first ones I checked out. And I really enjoyed this, and I will agree. You know, you need to go in knowing nothing about it. And I I feel bad for Zach because now he can't watch the this one. <laughs> without knowing things that he learned in the remake, but it's not going to have the same impact, actually. But I mean, yeah, this this is a uh, I mean, from from the direction to the star, to especially that you talk about the action scene in the hallway. It's it's excellent made film. I highly recommend it. All right, and uh, Ethan, your number fifty four. Yeah, my number fifty four is um, an incredible adult stop motion film called Mary and Max. Um, um, yikes. Oh, okay. I thought maybe. All right. Let me double check this. <laughs> um, yikes. Yes. Yikes. Okay, cool. Nope. Okay, Brian, that takes us to your uh, 57. All right. My 57 is Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Um, I know Kirk is not a fan of John Hughes. Um, I really like John Hughes, uh, most of his films. They're not all of them are hits. Um, but this is my favorite, I think, of, of John Hughes-directed movies. Uh, this is a movie that, uh, by all accounts, he, he apparently wrote this movie in like a day or a weekend. And uh, yet it's it's still, to me, his best one. I mean, and a lot of that, again, is you have one main character. This is a fourth wall-breaking character. I mean, even Deadpool references Ferris Bueller. Um, it's, it's, this is kind of the quintessential fourth wall-breaking character. Um, he's just a, a charismatic kid who who takes you through a, obviously a day in life when he just wants to have fun, but he's not even doing it for himself. He's doing it for his friend who needs to get out and live. He's too too uptight. If you believe some theories, some people have tried to put the Fight Club theory that Ferris Bueller is is Cameron's Tyler Durden. It's kind of fun to rewatch with that in mind, but obviously that's not what's happening here. Um, 
as somebody who grew up in the Chicago area, of course, I love watching this movie and just seeing all the landmarks and, you know, oh, I've been there, I know where he is, you know, that recognizing everything in the movie. And this is another movie where the soundtrack, as this is kind of a, you know, stereotypical 80s kind of movie. It's got a great memorable soundtrack, especially um, a band called Yellow did the song, oh yeah, you, you know the song, but uh, it, it's just a lot of fun. Um, yeah, and it made, it's kind of the movie that made Matthew Broderick a star, essentially. Now he hasn't gone on to superstardom or anything, but this is this is the movie that kind of made his career. Nobody else had this, right? No. Uh, yeah, I'm not a big John Hughes fan, you know, specifically of his like high school genre stuff. Uh, this is the um, exception. So yeah, shut up, Paul, uh, because I like this movie. Hey. Um, and yeah, this is this is the one. I think it's completely different from all the other stuff because it's not like it's not real cookie cutter. Like it's not like the fact that yeah, I think they they go outside of the school and outside of the school situations is probably what makes it uh, work. Uh, plus, like you said, Matthew Broderick is such a like a good like so good in the role. He's so charismatic. Yeah. He's so likable. You know, when you watch it when you're younger, you watch it. You know, it's like every kid. It's like wish fulfillment. Like you want to be that guy, or you want that guy to be your friend, and you want to have that day, that like perfect like skip day. <laughs> and you know, even as you watch as adult, though, it's it's still a lot of fun. And um, just like you said, even you know, like not being familiar with the area, just so you could tell they're hitting like a lot of like important places, and. Um, yeah, the story is just it's just a fun story. I enjoy it. Uh, everybody else on Ferris Bueller. I'm really curious what the real Kirk thinks of this movie because uh, this Kirk <laughs> apparently likes it. Um, I really enjoy this movie. Um, I enjoy most of John Hughes movies um, because I think they're good. Um, I don't think it's the best written one, but um, we'll talk about that probably later. Um, I just think I love the the when Cameron and the principal are interact like the phone calls and stuff like yeah. that stuff is I think the principal and the secretary in this movie have still to this day oh, killed Jeffrey me. Jones I, I love he's a great character actually yeah. he's obviously he doesn't work much anymore because there are allegations there yeah. let's but, not say uh, we love Jeffrey Jones here. but back in the eighties <laughs> he was great yeah yeah I just think I just think the sense of humor and stuff that that work really well in that movie. Um, and again, I've been to Chicago numerous times, not being far away from it. Uh, it's exciting to see like when you know a place. Um, yeah. But yeah, it's really quotable, and I wish Brian would have quoted a little bit more, but I'll save it because um, I'm saving that for later. Uh, but yeah, really great movie. <laughs> I um, just saw it for the first time as um, last summer. I think because. Just like I said, I can't watch King Comedy because everyone's talking about when you're in high school, everyone, like even though I was a little older, everyone like loved Ferris Bueller and talked about it. So it's like, I can't. I can't be part of you guys. <laughs> and so I finally watched it. I really loved it. Um, and I'm also not into a lot of um, John Hughes. I think it's just his stuff is very part of its time. It, and it, it's hard to age out of what it meant to be a teenager at that time. But I think this one ages remarkably. I think this is like the, the cleanest as far as like um social material that you can judge of any of his movies um i think it it that's why high schoolers in the mid 2000s still loved it i think even my kids some of them still love it because it is it ages like a fine wine it's timeless it's a universal experience of what it means to kind of be like free as a teenager and have fun and have experience um it, it's just it's a joy to watch and i also um i lived in chicago for three years so as a chicago experience i had the same kind of connection to it as brian is you know like a little nostalgic trip back to places you've been uh yeah i mean this movie is delightful i have not lived in chicago but i i enjoyed this movie being set in chicago 
Um, and I enjoy this movie. Uh, I like John Hughes. Like, I've, the older I get, like, I don't know, the more I watch those movies, they, like, go up and down for me, like, depending on how I'm feeling when I watch them. But um, Ferris Bueller usually is just, like, a blast. Um, unf yeah, unfortunately, Jeffrey Jones, we lost him as an actor because of reasons. He is a great addition to a lot of 80s movies, and um, he's really good in this one. Uh, Alan Ruck is, like, my favorite part of this movie. He's so good. Um, his triumphant, you know, moment at the end of the movie, like that is so like the whole movie is just building to that. Like he is such a more interesting character than Ferris and like he's so much more fun to watch, but he, him, you know, you need him to make Ferris the kind of character Ferris is. Um, and you know, there's that, that scene when Ferris is like running through all the yards, uh, towards the end. Like that's, that's a really like legitimately really well-directed, really great scene. Um, I do love that song, Brian, at the end. Uh, and it has that, that great post-credit scene that, you know, the, uh, what are you doing here? Go home, right? Like, it's it's one of the earlier ones that I think have done that. And, um, it's still one of the best. Yeah, it's still, it's still one of the best. It's, yeah, still probably has not been topped almost. Um, yeah, it's a great movie. All right. Uh, Brian, what is your 56? Uh, did not even intentionally put this in the same group, but uh, it is Shane Black's other original film, Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. Um, I've really already talked about kind of Shane Black and how much I enjoy his, his characters and, and his writing. Um, but this is a film also, this is a, Shane Black kind of came back out of nowhere after he, he hadn't even written anything in like nine years. And he came back with this original story, which he also decided to make his directorial debut. He brought Robert Downey Jr. back, which basically he had kind of, you know, he'd gone, he had all his personal problems with drugs and everything else. And he had kind of been ostracized by Hollywood and they made him the star of this film. And this is what brought him back into the forefront. This is essentially the film that got him Iron Man because even John Favreau has said he saw this and he saw how he could be Iron Man. So it's kind of made the rest of his career. Uh, Val Kilmer hadn't been done much for a while really. And he, he came back, his career didn't get quite the resurgence that Robert Johnny Jr. did obviously, but uh, it was great to see him again. And um, yeah, I, 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 like I said, I've already kind of discussed all this with nice guys but it's just uh it's just a fun good kind of modern noir film yeah um basically everything i said to about the nice guys applies to this movie um yeah so i won't repeat myself a lot um but yeah donnie's great in this uh vel kilmer's really good like Kil other than like tombstone you never saw kilmer do anything like you know like character wise a lot like he kind of was kind of like a cookie cutter you know he's one of those guys just he played you know basically himself um it's maybe still doing that a little bit, but still with the, just with the dialogue and everything, he, he mm -hmm. brings some really something special to this. So, um, really good. The only thing that bugs me about this movie is, um, you know, this did get D Downey uh, Iron Man, but it also is probably the movie that got Shane Black Iron Man three and that <laughs> abomination. So, um, that's that, uh, that's a, a downfall for me. But um, no, this is a really fun movie. I like it a lot. Uh, everybody else on Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. This Iron Man three slander needs to leave. It's it is it is one it is one that does not fit into the MCU, but overall great time. Great Iron Man time three is not the movie on trial here, yeah. even though it's terrible. Um, if anybody anybody still my still my show, I'll talk about whatever the hell I want whenever I want, Mr. Beller. <laughs> you sit there with your fifty seven and think about what you've done. Um you've besmirched this show. Um this is a great movie. This is a great movie. Um, I didn't get to talk by the nice guys, but like Shane Black is one of those directors that I'm finding myself like his script, uh, just the way he makes movies 
fits my style. I like Iron Man 3. I like Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. I just watched it recently, I think, in the last year. Um, and then, um, uh, of course, Nice Guys is brilliant. So, um, yeah, great choice. Uh, more rewatches would probably make a list in the future for me. So, um, Yeah, I actually, when Brian said this, it was I, immediately in my head, I was like, oh, this could have easily been on my top 100, my top 100 list. Like, I love this movie. It's so good. Um, I don't remember the first time I saw it, but when I did, like it, I was like, it was one of those few movies where I was like obsessed with it for a little while. Like I rewatched it like a bunch of times because I just liked it so much. Um, I think it's really, really smart. Um, it's really funny. Uh, yeah, Val Kilmer in this movie, it's 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 up there with his best performances. Um, I won't talk about what his best performance ever is yet for reasons, but um, he's really good in this movie. I love the the twists this movie takes and plays on like these old school like uh pulp crime novel kind of things you know like the thing with the book and getting shot with the book and like you know the the ending with like you know the people walking in the room i won't say all of it because i don't want to spoil any jokes or anything but if you've seen the movie you know i'm talking about it's um it's it's shane black's best movie by far and like he's it's the most shane black movie ever and um yeah robert Downey jr is fantastic and michelle monaghan's awesome in it she's you know um yeah I, I love this movie so much it's really good i didn't realize that ethan's such a jim morrison super fan about to put the doors at number one um and <laughs> yeah that's um, exactly what i was talking about yeah. i i um i have some, some real attention span issues i saw this as a six years and a 17 year old when it came out and i'm pretty sure i did not pay attention to one second of it um it, it, life can be hard sometimes okay <laughs> And uh, just just to clarify something you mentioned in the chat, this isn't it's it's based on a story, so it's not original. But I just meant not an existing movie franchise that he was dealing with somebody else's properties. Is all I meant by that. Yeah, Brian, what's your uh, fifty-four? Fifty-five. Oh, sorry, fifty-five. Sorry, yeah. Uh, fifty-five is the professional, aka Leon the professional. All right. Um, the professional when it first came out, they later retitled it. Actually, when, especially when they released the director's cut. But uh, this is a movie. Uh, Luke Besson, um, who of course went on to do you know Fifth Element and, and some other things. He produced a lot of other people's work as well. Um, this is another person who kind of, kind of came out of nowhere at the time. Um, this is, uh, I think, Jean Renault uh, did a great job playing this this hitman um, who you know befriends this this young girl. Um, and so it's got a real kind of real sweetness to it. I mean, even though he's essentially an assassin, um, he's kind of taking her under his wing and even teaching her kind of the, the art of assassination, uh, but at the same time kind of trying to protect her. Um, Gary Oldman's performance in this is iconic. Um, I mean, most of Gary Oldman's performances in everything he does are, is he's one of our greatest actors, I think. Um, but in this one, it's, it's so well done and it's so, I, I, untethered i mean it's over the top there are certain scenes I and mean, there's there's like one gifable moment when he screens everyone which of course everybody knows that scene but even just his more more subtle moments i thought Gary Oldman did an excellent job in this movie um the music in this movie is very underrated i think it really sets sets the tone for this thing it's not i don't even know if i'd call it an action movie there are definitely action scenes to it but it's it's almost more of a, a drama because there are certain parts of it that are very kind of slow burn i mean you have you know scenes where he's going shopping for milk and things like that. And it's just a lot of character moments to it. Um, but yeah, this is another movie that kind of came out of nowhere. Um, I hadn't heard anything about it. The movie came out. I went and saw it and loved it. And I've seen it numerous times since then. 
Yeah, this is a good movie. This is a really great addition to like that seven, that eighty, or I'll get their nineties, uh, like crime uh, genre, like that. Just like it has that real nineties feel to it, but it's not like a Pulp Fiction ripoff or anything like that. It's 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 really its own thing. Um, almost certainly, Luc Besson's best movie. Uh, Jean Reno's great in it. Just the character he creates, and um, you know, this is the first time I think I'd seen him in anything, and uh, he's just real. Like that, just like almost like Zen kind of hitman type character uh, is is you know like that kind of like simple innocence that he has you know juxtaposed with the violence and uh, his relationship with uh, Natalie Portman. I know like you know a lot of people have like revisited that and said it's, it's you know it's uncomfortable and weird, but I mean I never really thought like I feel like from his end anyway, which is you know the, when you look from there they part um i don't feel there's anything like ever you know i never got a vibe of anything inappropriate there i feel like it was a, it was very well done um he you know it was handled well within the movie and you know in the actual writing of the movie um and yeah gary oldman's just a great like just over the top villain like a lot of a lot of actors would do do that role and it would just be just ridiculous and he uh he just you know he brings gary oldman to it so it's like there's something different about it. Mm-hmm. I really like him in this. And just like that over, like that's that scene where like her family's getting killed, just like that over the top violence. And like you said, there's still like at the same time, like quiet character moments, like the parts where he's like training her and stuff. Yeah. Um, I was going to even talk about Natalie Portman. Yeah. This is her first yeah. film and she knocked it out of the park. Yeah. And just like, yeah, like it just you know, almost like a, like a father daughter, you know, friendship that forms between them uh, is, is just a great addition to it. So yeah. Uh, good pick. Everybody else on uh, Leon, Leon the professional. So I watched this movie at the end of last year. Um, and I think on rewatches, it will make one of those lists. Um, I think it's absolutely incredible. I think Gary Oldman's, uh, I've seen Gary Oldman in a lot of films. This is probably the one that is burned in my brain now. Uh, when I think of, I think he's at, I think he's over the top, but I think he's good in this film. Um, that's how Paul said he didn't really like him. I, I think he's absolutely incredible in this film as a character that, you don't really associate with Gary Oldman. Um, but the scene that I'll talk about is Natalie Portman when she when she's coming home from shopping and just the walk down the hallway and the knock mm-hmm. on the door and like, please open up. Like the acting that she share, shows in that one scene is Great. insane. Like gut-wrenching because she has to keep her ever low ever loving cool while she walks down the hallway while her family just got slaughtered and like everybody got slaughtered in that house like it's so it's a such a powerful movie i actually really enjoy the ending of this movie too of how it ends um but yeah i'm i can't wait to rewatch this movie um and it's just i it was just too late on my list to watch and did you just change your thing to speed or was speed always back i did that right after you mentioned it Okay, I just I you leaned over and I saw Keanu Reeves and I said, "Wait a minute, is that the whole time?" Um, yeah, I mean, this movie is fantastic. Someone did say something incorrect that they said this was almost certainly Luke Besson's best movie. It's obviously the Fifth Element, but we don't, we're not talking about the Fifth Element here. Um, we're talking about <laughs> Leon the Professional, which is a great movie. Um, it's a really good crime movie. Uh, Jean Reno is is fantastic. Natalie Portman's like insane for a child actor. It's like scary how good she is um and yeah I, I do really like gary oldman in this movie um it's been a long time since i've seen it so i don't remember specifics but i do remember like 
a few key moments. I mean, there's obviously that incredible line reading where Gary Oldman's like, everyone, it's so good. Um, and I remember the ending is really fun. They're not fun, but it's like, I like I like how it ends a lot, like Cody was saying. Um, yeah, it's it's really good. I'm, I'm glad they didn't go with the uh, original script as was written because it would not be a good movie, but it is good because of how it's written now. Yeah, I like this movie quite a bit. I am like a huge Natalie Portman fan. Um, I'm now allowed to enter contests where we can meet Natalie Portman. My wife said she would be jealous because I haven't entered these contests before. Um, but I, I, I think this is like in my like triumvirate of favorite kid performances with um, you know Billy Elliot I mentioned earlier and the one that's going to come up literally as my next pick. Um, but I think this one she's put off the precocious actress or precocious kid um better than anyone has ever done without it being obnoxious see someone trying so desperately to be older and be more adult than she is um but it comes off a little more true than it can and i i, I agree with brian that i don't think the at least the chemistry in the film is not problematic i think the relationship they have um ha has um some like very parental um and patriarchal kind of chemistry that is, is kind of heartwarming. I think the Pod Max stuff comes when you think about Luke Besson and his personal issues um, putting an end to it. There's a trend in my picks today, it seems. Yeah, then rather than what the film is is doing on camera, I don't think is inherently problematic. But yeah. I thought Zach was going to say it wasn't allowed within 500 yards of her or something. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, Brian, what is your 54? Uh, well, for all these subtle t character moments in this one, uh, this next movie is not subtle at all. Uh, that is Top Gun. Uh, Top Gun is about as 80s as you can get. I mean, just not only in the soundtrack, of course, which features you know Kenny Loggins and a few songs and, and everything else, Berlin, um, but just the style of the movie. It's got that whole Bruckheimer thing to it, directed by Tony Scott, who I think is the better Scott brother. Um, I think Cody would agree with me just because all Denzel movies. But, um, but this is a movie that made Tom Cruise Tom Cruise, which some people would say could be a good thing or a bad thing. But this is the movie that made him the superstar that he is today. Um, it's it's definitely got that whole you know rah rah American kind of Cold War feel to it, where the you know the Russians are the villains and it's coming. Val Kilmer again, not intentional. His second appearance in in my list today, um, in probably his second most iconic role after Tombstone. Um, but yeah, this this is a movie that. I'm not going to say it's, you know, world-class filmmaking, but it's, it's total eighties cheese. I will freely admit that, but uh, I'm there for it. I mean, it's the kind of way you saw in a theater and you just, just, you, you felt good and you cheered and you had fun. So it's, it's just very eighties. Uh, yeah, this is it. This isn't the movie for me for a lot of reasons. Um, just like the, I'm not, you know, I'm not into that like eighties action, like, you know, you know, unintentionally just, just how like, just how it's like so super bro-y and just like that whole like elf. Are you talking about thing. the volleyball scene? The <laughs> volleyball scene. Yeah. Just that. And all that stuff. And it's like, it's done with like zero irony and zero self-awareness. Like it's so presented as like, these are like the coolest guys in the world. And, um, Tom Cruise, like this is not a version of Tom Cruise. I like like that eight, like this is like that one character he played in the eighties. Um, and this is guy, whenever he reverts, anytime he reverts back to this, like, I think he's improved as an actor. Like I'm not as on board with Tom Cruise. As most people are, um, but I think he's gotten better from this. Uh, but this is like the Tom Cruise. It's like, just, you know, just, he's just being, you know, Tom Cruise. And so, yeah, um, not a fan, not a fan of Top Gun. 
Um, but yeah, this again, this is just not my just just not my seed at all. Uh, it's for anybody who knows me. Uh, what's everybody else think about Top Gun? Uh, yeah, oh, sorry, Zach, go ahead. There's a weird lack amount of penises in Tony Scott movies because, like, no one has directed with more male gaze than Tony Scott has. <laughs> like, he does have, have like, such a, a specific infatuation with this type of masculinity of this kind of broy, heroic, you know, airplane school kind of masculinity that is throughout, um, I think, similar to a lot of his other movies. Um, I, I think, like, there's something to enjoy about this movie as, you know, a time piece of what people liked in the 80s i hate the music in this movie so much <laughs> and like the score in the sounds like 80s music we should just forget ever happened and and just move on especially the scores it's very obnoxious i never made a guest on my podcast more mad than talking about this with chance he was he might never come on again but it, it's horrendous and almost blows the movie away because i just like it, i can't watch because my ears hurt so bad like I have, like I, I, like my, my brain just freezes. Um, yeah, I, this is a movie that, like, I always thought I would like love that I had just not seen, and then one year I finally saw it, and I was like, mm -mm, no. <laughs> um, it is like I love cheese in movies. Like I really do. You guys have seen my list. Like there's a lot of cheesy stuff on my list. This movie is just the cheese, and you can't have just the cheese. You need the cheese on something, and. Not only that, but like, let, let's talk. I mean, some of these scenes that, like, you know, this movie, the scene with Take My Breath Away, the sex scene with like the tongues and everything, like, it's so gross and like silly, you know, it goes on so long. The only good thing about that scene or this movie is that it gave um, MacGruber a couple of really funny moments because <laughs> it plays on that scene. Um, and MacGruber is a masterpiece. I should have put that on my list too. Um, but Great. Top Gun is just, yeah, I don't know. It's, I mean, the, the, the jets look cool while they're flying, vroom, vroom, you know, but like this movie is literally just a fucking Air Force commercial. And like, I, you know, I come on. This, I don't know. I don't know why people love this movie so much. We're not in the 80s anymore. This, this could only be cool in the 80s. And we're in 2021, which is not to say you can't enjoy 80s movies, but this movie should stay where it, it came from. And, and Ridley Scott is the better Scott brother. How dare you? This is the prime evidence that Tom Cruise has never had sex with a woman, let alone anyone. <laughs> like he just he doesn't know what that even is. He's only had sex with Zenu. I once had to argue Brooklyn Vale on the best eighties action movie. I picked Die Hard. They picked Top Gun. And after that moment, I've never been able to look at Top Gun the same way. As much as I enjoyed it at the time, I had to literally, how somebody could think that was the best action movie of all time of the 80s is absolutely the most insane thing I've ever heard. Uh, Top Gun is just a lot of like spectacle, but not a lot of substance of anything. So it's actually one of my least favorite Tony Scott movies, to be honest with you. But. <clears throat> I think Tom Cruise and, you know, Falcomer are great, but I think overall it's meh. All right, so that means we're going to go over to Zach now for your 57. Yeah. Um, meet me in St. Louis, Louis. Um, that's all I got on me today. Uh, meet me in St. Louis. Um, 
I, I have a deep love for movies that are just kind of a slice of life of watching a community of people um, live in a specific time. There is you know, another one there coming up as well, probably like many in my list that could be thrown into that because um, the plot of this movie is very minimal. It's about a family expecting to move within a year um, as the St. Louis World's Fair is about to occur and they are, are figuring out they have to move to New York and it's just about what their year is like. Um, there's some like levels of how they're coping with the move, but it's just how they, you know, as teenage women are co getting courted by men, how um, the youngest daughter just like acts like a pure kid and causes chaos around the town. And it's just like watching what a family would have been like, I think it's, it's like the 1910s or whatever when it's supposed to take place. Um, you can look up the history of when the World's Fair was in St. Louis. Um, but th this is what I mentioned earlier as one of my favorite kids' performances. Margaret O'Brien, who plays Tootsie in this, is one of the uh, funniest um, things to me that ever happened. There is movies that I don't know how they got or scenes in this movie that I don't know how they got away with in the 50s. Um, that, that the Halloween scene where there's just like the two youngest daughters go off and there's like an adultless apocalyptic town of kids like burning shit. And like this girl, Margaret O'Brien, plays a kid that like pretended she was like killed on a railroad and like there's like a lot i can't even remember anything but it's like pure dark chaos that I, like comes so like out of nowhere for this movie when it comes i find it um so hilarious but i think what that scene does and what her performance does is really capture um the freedom of being a child but also the emotional you know twists and turns because she also has one of the most um you know emotional devastating moments in in the end when she's really coming to terms with what it is to move while um judy garland sings the original version of have yourself a merry little christmas during christmas time this is where the song comes from and it's you know, it's never been better performed than her doing it originally. But, you know, through that, and, and you just see the sadness on their faces, she just has a complete breakdown and, like, just destroys, um, slaughters every snowman they've made. There's a full, like, really natural child version of releasing your anger. This is something, you know, th that I probably does a kid. The other kids that you just, like, black out and all your emotions is coming out um, in this aggression. I think it's really magical how she captures, you know, that, freedom and joy as a kid and, and this, but um, I think, you know, all the porn, so lovely Judy Garland, I think it kind of gets uh, weirdly like underrated as an actress because she gets so attached to either Wizard Vaz or attached to like her drama and, you know, how she was toiled with by the studios. Um, but she was really just a one of a kind performer and this is evident here um, and a great teenage performer. Um, so me and Stanley was wonderful film. Uh, this is one I haven't seen yet. Uh, you sold me on it because you know I was expecting like apocalyptic and setting fires to be part of the description for this movie. It's a ten minute part of the movie. Yeah, it sounds exciting. <laughs> um, but yeah, I definitely want to check it out. Everybody else would meet me in St. Louis. I haven't seen it, and I, I don't know if I ever will. Maybe. <laughs> I don't think I've seen it. <laughs> There's no sexy gremlins. Um. From somebody that's grown up in St. Louis majority of their life, um, 1904 will never let you forget that that's when Thank the you. World's Fair was. Thank you. Uh, the, uh, the St. Louis is very proud of the 1904 World's Fair. Um, <clears throat> I really I watched this after your recommendation of it, Zach. Um, I think I was on your podcast and we you talked about the last movie you logged and you talked about Meet Me in St. Louis. 
Still my favorite rendition of you is doing the Home Meet Me in St. Louis. Uh, if I could get that as a ringtone, I would make it my <laughs> ringtone because it literally makes me a hundred times. This movie's really good. Um, I've actually like did a little bit of like studying on Judy Garland, um, like in the past like couple months, just because I find it, her story very fascinating. Um, and just what studio and all that stuff happened to her was kind of sad and kind of heartbreaking. But this movie has got a lot of charm in it. It's not for everybody. It's a very of the time musical. Like it's very like, um, like cotton candy kind of like musical. It's very, very, but it has a lot of uh, emotional elements throughout it. I really enjoyed it. So yeah, it's on HBO. It was on HBO max. I don't know. Mm -hmm. I correct myself. Apparently, I watched this in 2018, but I honestly remember nothing about it. So. <laughs> Someone else had yeah, but I heard that I heard that movie was bad. I heard that movie was bad, Paul. That's why I did not watch it. I just looked at other stuff about it. All right, uh, Zach, what is your 56? I assume people were waiting for this. Um, we got the Muppets Christmas Carol. Muppet, and that's it. All right. It, yeah, it could have been. That was a bad fake out. Um, anyways, <laughs> yeah, I know you hate Muppets, but fucking Christmas. I don't know. Um, this movie was really one of my primary connections to the Muppets as a kid, and weirdly, the show Muppets Tonight. So a lot of my you know nostalgic connection and lifelong fandom comes you know from this movie. I've probably watched this movie more than anything in my life. Um, I think. Watching as an adult and everything I've came to love about the Muppets, what's really amazing about it is how they connect these natural themes of what the Muppets kind of stand for, of the joy and community, um, into a tale that can work with that so thematically purposeful. It's like, take, you know, who are the happiest um, creatures we can find and have them battle against Scrooge. Um, it was just kind of like, it was genius. You know, who's going to turn Scrooge's dark heart into the Christmas spirit better than the Muppets can? Uh, but then also casting Michael Caine was there in Jesus' mood because he takes it so seriously. And it was the smartest thing he could have done. He, he can play the same performance in any other version of Christmas Carol and it will work. Um, that that's you know the best people who work with the Muppets act like they're working with real actors treat them as cast members not as puppets and Michael Caine um, you know lets the jokes be around him lets the goofiness be around him but he delivers the real heart um, of of the story and um, I think also the production design um, was perfect for this movie and I think so not working in Muppet Treasure Island which is the only Muppet movie I don't like um, I think it's a very ugly movie, but I've been doing the same, you know, production side that Brian Henson, I think, is part of his kind uh, forte. But um, I think because a combination of the Victorian setting, uh, on the Dickensian setting, um, the kind of darkness and grayness worked with it, but also it makes it seem a little more playish with Christmas Carol, you know, works well with that kind of play like charm. Um, I mean, I've seen as a debut. I, I have not taken in any like cultural artifact born in the Christmas Carol. I can almost recite the line. I've like seen the play 50 times. It's all, but so maybe there's, it's so deep down, you know, ingrained in my soul that I give some of it Snegger's a bit of a doubt, by, a doubt, but I think it's just a perfect delightful Christmas movie and I can watch the Muppets do anything. So. Uh, yeah. Um, I like the Muppets. Oh. Real fast. Paul talks about Rizzo. Rizzo gives Gonzo a kiss, and it's the best one second in movie history. And I want that um, screenshot and blasted in big posters on my wall. It's the best. Okay. Um, I like the Muppets. I like the original trilogy. Uh, I'm not a fan of this movie. 
Um, I just feel like this is the point, you know, like this is after Henson had died and I definitely feel his absence throughout this entire movie. Like there's just something missing. Um, it's not just the voices. It's just something about the tone and just these characters, like they're different somehow. Um, and I, I'm, I'm, I love Dickens. He's one of my favorite authors and I love a Christmas Carol. Um, and I'm a kind of a purist about it. I, there's a lot of the ter- things they do with this that I don't like. Um, Michael Caine is great as Scrooge, um, but I just don't think like the, the Muppets that work the best uh, in this are the Muppets that they invented for the movie, like the, the, the existing Muppets. I just don't fit well. Like just little things like the fact that Bob Cratchit, it's nitpicking, but the fact that Bob Cratchit isn't Scrooge's lowest level employee, you have all those rats around there that like completely ruins the Scrooge Cratchit dynamic. Like it's completely wrong. Once you have you have someone lower than Bob Cratchit, the movie should be about the rats, not about Bob Cratchit. Then, because that's the whole point. And then um, the blow my freaking stack. Um, the two old guys as Marley is just god awful. Like I hate that so much. Like the fact that like they're taught. Like the whole thing about Marley is like the regret and the just the the the, the self loathing and the fact they're like laughing about the stuff they did in life. That I, my head wants to explode when I see that scene. I hate that so much. You um, need to chill out. But this. <laughs> um, but yeah, like there's just a lot of stuff. Like I don't think that the the Muppets were a good fit for this movie to begin with. I just don't think they're a good fit for the story. Um, but overall, like I said, I just don't think it's like it's it's you're starting like I think they I don't know because like, that, that whole like middle trilogy of you know this uh treasure island space, I don't think any of those movies are great. I think it's like more or less cash-ins after Henson died. Um, but this 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 is probably actually the best of the three, um, but I still don't like it. Me and Cody can tell you that the double Marleys are named Jacob and Robert. Just to let you know. <laughs> Um, I have not seen the Muppets Christmas Carol. I actually haven't seen a lot of the Muppets movies. It seemed like a handful. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I like the Muppets. I'll probably watch this at some point. I want to watch the rest of them. I I like this one. I mean, I like a lot of versions of Christmas Carol, and I enjoy this one. I I, I even enjoy Marley and Marley. I, I I don't get the ramp. Then again, you clearly have more of an attachment to the source material than I do. So I, I, I just... I had no problem with it. Um, this is another one. I really like the songs in this movie. Um, I enjoyed that. I think the only parts of it that really slow down for me are when they focus, like their scenes, like especially like in Christmas Past and that, where there's way too many humans. I'm like, I want to watch the Muppets. <laughs> so it kind of slows down a little bit when they get in some of those scenes. But yeah, I like it. <laughs> this whole this whole movie, I, I don't even want to talk about the movie. I just have a picture Kirk on around Christmas and him walking around the house and Oh, Dad, get out of here! It's the, it's the scene. They're gonna start talking again. And watch that. I just get angry and start punching things. Um, yes, uh, I'm not a Muppet fan. Um, Zach knows this about me. Um, but this is the one I I, I kind of enjoy because. Um, sorry, Kirk. I think the Christmas story, like the that Charles Dickens thing, is kind of shitty uh to be honest with you i've never liked the adaptation of that i never enjoyed it um yeah so i i like it when the muppets actually do it. yeah you can write it down that's fine uh you let gremlins this whole thing's a fucking sham at this point um you're you're shitting on christmas carol and you're sitting there gremlins too is sitting there um but uh yeah so um 
yeah, I this is this is the joy and the happiness of the Christmas Carol that I you know I kind of like. So good job, Zach. I'm proud of you. Okay. All right, Zach. What is your uh, okay. fifty-five? My fifty-five. Um, very similar to Muppet Christmas Carol in a lot of ways. Um, some would say the ideal double header. Um, and that is um, Taxi Driver. <laughs> <laughs> um. Yeah. So, um, I don't think that a character study has ever been done with such um, specificity and um, like very connected performance work um, than Taxi Driver. Um, I think that's what Joker is missing is that they don't really know what they're trying to say about this character or or, or live within it. Um, but but this is my favorite Robert De Niro performance. I, I've never seen something so um, lived in. Um, compare this and, and, and it is essentially a horror story in a lot of ways but he still captures the humanity of how this person can go down this track even though he essentially is this you know mentally ill you know monster uh, by the end you kind of still see him as a person and how that goes i mean i think in the 21st century mind um you know as a horror story, I'm still viewing this as, you know, the path of an incel um, is also terrifying because um, that's essentially what he is when someone gets so detached from humanity. Um, what what can happen to someone's, the, how your mind can get corrupted and distort the reality around you and, and you know, create this artificial idea of how you can be a hero and what needs to be done to make you know, the world better. Um, I think also just, you know, Scorsese was going on, you know, on all levels here with you know the cinematography and the score all function together to create that kind of uneasiness um, that you're just kind of always on edge with where this character is going to go, where his mind is going to go. Every moment, you know, can veer towards the uncomfortable, um, especially when he's with Sybil Shepherd, um, and maybe self-destructed the way and purposely like taking her to porn movies. But also you just see like, maybe he just doesn't know how to function in society. Um, I think having Sybil Shepherd in Albert Brooks was also just like genius um, comparative casting. Um, so people to, to be on the other edge of, of like, you know, what normal functioning humans could be like um, to go with this guy who's just, you know, off and about. Um, I it's weirdly rewatchable for such a dark movie. Um, you're more to get every time. I love, I love Taxi Driver, so. It inspired me to be a taxi driver, but I failed the test. It's a weird takeaway. Um, Zach, I I'll level with you. This is exactly why I picked you to be on the show because there's nobody else in this community who's going to who's gonna swing from Muppet Christmas Carol to Taxi Driver. <laughs> That's just not going to happen. I really want to see Muppets Taxi Driver. <laughs> like, I'm in on that show. Um, but yeah... I, I said this this was in my top 100, obviously, and when I, when I brought it up, I said I love gross 70s New York. That's like my favorite genre, and this is the most gross 70s New York movie there is. Um, and just like the, the world around him and how that reflects the character uh, is so great. I just love the character he builds, that monotone uh, just voiceover of just him talking and just – him getting crazier and crazier, but it's, you know, it's, he, he feels like it's making more sense and he's, he feels like he's getting more sane. Um, it's so good. Like you said, having, you know, this, his interaction with Sybil Separate, like trying to be a normal person and just how impossible it is for him. And just that uncomfortable, you know, the uncomfortable, like the phone call and everything, just how uncomfortable, like I said, this character and, uh, and the character from King Comedy are so similar in so many different ways. Uh, just like that lack of self-awareness and just, uh, 
just that anti-socialism. Uh, but yeah, this is so good. Just, just the cinematography, the score that like, just like that all, that all brass score is so good. Um, yeah, this is definitely one of Scorsese's best, um, and one of Dara's best performances. Uh, everybody else on Taxi Driver. Um, I'm a big Scorsese shill. I love most of the things Scorsese does. Um, I love a lot of this movie. I hate the ending. I've said it on record. I absolutely despise the ending of this movie. I think this is where you cut it. You do not need to, re- you don't, you do not need to like try to like turn this character around. You need to leave the character where he is, where he's bloody and flipping off the camera and just end it that way. I think that would have been a perfect ending. The whole taxi drive, the ride around with her is just, I hate that part. Um, it's one of my least favorite parts of, and that's why it always has went down for me on a watch. Um, but overall, all the way up until that point, I absolutely love this movie. I think it's absolutely incredible. It's just the ending goes off a flipping cliff for me. So it's never going to take a top 100 because of that. If I Maybe if I stop the movie and I just let it in there and I never believe the other ending now, maybe. <laughs> um, I actually, I love, I mean, the movie's incredible. I actually like the ending a lot because <laughs> it's got like a couple different ways you can interpret it. Well, yeah, of course, you know. But no, I mean, like, I've, you know, I've read different interpretations of it. One that, that it's like, you know, Travis's dying thoughts and like kind of what he thinks he is is going to happen to him or kind of his, his wishes as he's dying, which I think is great. Um, or you can interpret it as just like the way society like can, can kind of make heroes out of people like this and stuff like that. I, I kind of lean towards the first one. I think it's, it makes for a better ending, but I do really like it. And yeah, the movie is incredible. Like Zach was saying it's one of the best character studies ever made. Um, you know, Scorsese, it's at his best. De Niro is so good in it. Um, it's been like parodied a million times for, for good reason. Uh, Jodie Foster is so good in it. It's just a, yeah, it's a really, really, really great movie. Um, and I haven't seen it in a long time. I probably have to rewatch it because it's been too long. Uh, I mentioned earlier how I'm not really a Scorsese guy, and this is kind of an example of that. Um, I don't care for this. I mean, it's fine. I'm not a big fan of it, um, but it, I don't have a problem with anybody else who does because it's more in their wheelhouse. Um, I will say I have to appreciate this movie. If he's still watching, Joseph can back me up if I'm wrong, but I think this movie is but won us the Full Metal Trivia Team's title a long time ago. So I have so to respect it for that. You, Brian. So, so proud. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, so, oh, yeah, I'm so, sorry, still here. Uh, Zach, what's your uh, number 55, uh, 54? Um, this is weirdly one of uh, two movies I'm bringing up today that is adapted from less than a thousand word story. Um, this is Where the Mountains Are. Um, I don't know why I paused. Um, Muppets Christmas Carol taxi driver where the wild things are. <laughs> That's hard putting those he, in he, place, he's, right? He's no longer the great Gonzo. He's no longer <laughs> the father of Theo. New name, Whiplash Zach Ford. That's the <laughs> thing. Fair. This one's closer to taxi driver than Muppets. <laughs> There's a little <laughs> bit of darkness in this movie. Um, this second Spike Lee movie of the night. Um, it, or Spike Jones, sorry. Um, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> old boy in this, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm saying it's Mike Jones' movie. Um, I, I think that he was the right director for this movie in a way, as far as making it um, accessible for the people who love the book as kids. This is not a movie for kids, really, at all. 
even though I think they try to market it for that because he does add such a weirdness and a darkness to it. Um, it they they take this, you know, sh very short children's picture book and just kind of use the world to tell a story about the loneliness and fears of childhood, um, taking this um, Land of the Wild things and making it a um, encapsulation of all the things that trouble a child like every character on this represents you know part of a child's ed um you have the fear you have the anxiety you have the loneliness you have the shyness um, and it all comes off so heartbreaking um just to you know remember what it's like to, to go like that but also just you know it's a universal experience we underrate how like hard it is to be a kid sometimes because you're just learning how to function how to be a human and it's hard to understand things you're so insecure and everything it seems like the biggest problem in the world um and I, I think there's there's a number of times that, you know, watching a, a movie in theaters with the right person can really affect you deeply. Um, I have some other examples of this, but um, I saw this with my mom and who was just so like broken up by it. I think just kind of witnessing what my childhood might have been more like maybe not really able to empathize with the point, but making it more real at the time. And my mom actually looks a lot like Catherine Keener, um, especially when she was a little bit younger. Um, so, so there's also just that she can see, very easily see herself in that um, character's mindset. Um, also, the score is top tier. Karen O, you know, is a musician I really love, and her soundtrack is great. And then Carter Burrow, um, second score from Mike, because you also did Fargo. But um, it, it, this is his most whimsical scores, but just lovely. Um, and this has nothing to do with the movie itself, but the trailer. Um, 2008, 2009 had like the top trailers because um, Revolutionary Road was like this just blistering, wonderful trailer for a movie that's not very good. But where the wild things are, just like blue mirror as a trailer with you know the great Spike Jones um, shots, but also Arcade Fire's Wake Up, which is their best song. Um, awesome, just lovely over it. It should have been the movie. Uh, great movie. I'll show it to Theo when he's young so he can just be prepared for how shitty King Childhood is. <laughs> um, I just watched this a couple weeks ago. Uh, I love the look of it. I love the character design. I love the monsters. You know, talking about Jim Henson, this looks like you know something Henson would have done back in the eighties uh, with those characters, and I really, I really like that. Um, I feel like you know talking about how it's made. It's based off a short book. You kind of feel that like I, there's not much story to it, and like you said, there's it's not meant to be. Like it's more about like the feeling and everything. Um, but I feel like it's kind of especially in the middle it just kind of gets repetitive. Like it's like a situation, and then like he finds a way to solve it. Like it just seems to keep happening over and again. And then it just ends. Um, but it's it's fine. Um, I think fifty four is a little high to put on on your list. But um, shut up, Cody. Uh, but yeah, uh, but for me, you gave Ethan the credit. It's but for him, I get him, guys. Can you just get over the Gremlins 2 thing already? Can we move yeah. past yeah. this? You just, you just can't say I, I any like, statement that might I like Gremlins 2 better than I like where the wild things are. I'm sorry, uh, everybody else where the wild things are. Well, because of why, because Ethan's tastes, I understand it. That makes sense. Zach tastes, fuck you. You like kids' movies? Get the fuck out of here. Um, uh, haven't seen I have not seen it either. Uh, Spike Jones, my favorite director, or not my favorite, one of my favorite directors. Um, this is like the only movie of his I haven't seen all the way through. I tried watching it a few years ago and I, I wasn't into it and I just kind of gave up, but I promise I will watch it again, Zach, through these, this new lens and I will, I will hopefully find something in it. It was a long time ago, so I'll, I feel like I'll like it if I watch it. All right. Uh, that takes us to speed round. Everybody's top three. Uh, Cody, what is your number 53? The speed round, you're cute. Um, okay, 
Uh, we'll get back to it because I have no fucking clue what it is. Um, that's definitely not it. Either. Oh, just put it on the screen. I don't fucking remember. I had I lost my letterbox <laughs> list. Seven. Yikes! I fucking knew it. This is a Brian's like week of all. <laughs> okay, Ethan, you're fifty three. Uh, all right, uh, about to get yikes pretty hard. I think it's uh, it's die hard. Go ahead. Who's gonna? It's, yeah, come on. <laughs> Told you. Brian's like, yeah, I decided to you know, decided to leave it off. <laughs> Not gonna get me this time, Brian. Told you the speed round, uh, Brian. What's your fifty-three? Oh, uh, um, my fifty-three is Iron Man. Nobody. Okay. Um, yeah. So I mean, Iron Man was a second-tier Marvel character, really. I mean, as far as the comics, people knew Spider-Man and and Hulk and the X-Men, all those kind of things. And Iron Man, I mean, he was. A successful comic, of course, but when they said they're going to kick off their, you know, Marvel when they started making their own movies, um, this is before there was an MCU, but they were going to start making their own movies and they decided to start with Iron Man, which seemed kind of weird and it seemed like they were settling for that because, you know, they had licensed out the, all their other characters to other studios. Um, but really, I mean, this was such a pleasant surprise. I mean, John Favreau did a phenomenal job with it. And of course, again, Robert Downey Jr. tonight. Um, casting him in this role, I can't picture anyone else in this role. I actually have to wonder how much of this movie, uh, the script and dialogue was rewritten for him because everything just seems perfectly tailored to his kind of, uh, the way he talks and his brand of humor. Um, the special effects, both practical and digital, I thought were phenomenally done. And I think this movie just really kind of found the good a good balance in, you know, it was still able to be fun, but not like, you know, like Fantastic Four movies they made, things like that but it wasn't way too serious. It didn't get, you know, it didn't try to, it, it was grounded in reality. Cause I mean, by here they weren't able to superpowers. It was just technology and stuff, but uh, it wasn't dour and it wasn't too serious. It still was able to have fun. And a lot of that is due to Robert Downey Jr. Um, yeah, um, I had something else I was gonna say about it. But yeah, even from the opening, well, not the opening. Well, from the opening scene, the movie is great, but especially that cave escape. Um, where where Tony has basically made his you know made his suit out of scraps in a cave, uh, as Jeff Bridges would tell you, um, that that scene alone still remains to me one of the best action scenes in the MCU because it's just it's it's fairly simple, but it's got everything you need to have in an action scene. It's got action, of course. It's got a little bit of humor in there. It's even got some drama because you know Jensen basically sacrifices himself to save Tony and tells him you know don't waste your own life. Um, so, I mean, it's it's just a movie that surprised everybody, and it kicked off, obviously, a series that's going strong today. Yeah, this is still top-tier MCU for me, um, you know, regardless of whatever else has come out. I still really enjoy this movie. Um, yeah, just you know, very rarely do you get like the – I mean, you probably name on one hand just actors who are born, born for a role – and Downey definitely was this. And the fact, like you said, they didn't go dark and gritty, which is kind of the way things were going then, which would have been very easy to do with the, with Iron Man because there's a lot of darkness to that character. Yeah. And you could have focused on that and made this a very, you know, dour movie. And, you know, um, and that way, I mean, you would have been a little more accurate to the comics, um, but I think they definitely went the direct direction. As somebody who enjoys the comics, um, I love they, you know, they're very respectful of the source material and the fact that, um, Part of the Iron Man story is the evolution of his suit 
and the fact that they start with the old, um, you know, the big bulky suit he makes in the cave, which was his, yeah. you know, which basically the Silver Age Iron Man suit, which is what he wore. And then they go to the different iterations and everything, um, which is really cool to explore that. And uh, just the way they designed the character, that scene with him, you know, flying with the, the fighter jets, um, that really just jumped off the page of the comic books. That's really what you imagine when you read the comics of, you know, what he would look like, how he would move, how he would fight all those things. Um, yeah. Just a lot of great action. See that scene where he goes into the, into the town and, you know, rescues all those people from the terrorists is just so great. Um, and yeah, just so you said, just such an important movie. Um, you know, how this, if this would have faltered, uh, we wouldn't have, you know, the MCU, it wouldn't exist. Um, and just how much that is on uh, Donnie's shoulders and Favreau's shoulders. So, yeah, like I said, still top tier, probably top three uh, MCU for me. Uh, everybody else on Iron Man. Tony Stark built this in a cave with a box of scraps. It's my favorite MCU line still to this day. Obadiah Stane gets no credit of being one of the top villains of the MCU. Um, yeah, it's always going to be one of my favorite ones. Um, it was on my list for a little bit. I had to take it off uh, just because I could make this list completely comic book, basically, at times, uh, because I like comic movies a lot. But yeah, I couldn't imagine Tony Stark uh, not being played by Robert Downey Jr. Um, he's my favorite character throughout the MCU, and I still think this movie um, holds up, and I think it's better than a majority of the MCU movies. So. Great choice. I will say, you know, you brought up Obadiah Stane. He is a good Jeff Bridges plays a good villain, but I think like the weakest part of the movie is like that same versus same fight at the end. Um, that kind of just brings it down a tier. Uh, but other than that, everything else is great. Yeah, you beat me to it. Um, because I like Iron Man quite a bit. Um, but it is the the last 20 minutes action scene I could just kind of check out for a little bit. It's just robot punching robot. They're not robots, but you get the fucking deal. Um, but because I, I, I think no, I the, don't explain that, it to me. <laughs> so they're wearing metal gear that look like fucking robots um anyways jeff bridges is really great and so as a human you uh you villain as obadiah stain it's really great but as far as the power aspect of it and the threat that he poses um is it, never as um, great but i i enjoy iron man quite a bit as much as you can enjoy any other one yeah i mean i i like iron man a lot i think it's one of my favorite marvel movies um I think that this movie does right what a lot of the Marvel movies now do wrong or just have done too much for me to just like kind of hate it now when they do it with all the quips and like the the endless action scenes and like the this I mean so you guys talked about the same versus same ending at this one I actually like it because it was before they did it in every movie and it was like it made sense to me for the character and I like that you know Obadiah Stane like basically was just you know stealing this technology from tony stark and and he couldn't he couldn't do it right and like tony could beat him i, I just feel like it fit it fit the movie thematically for me and like I, I thought it was fun but um yeah this was this was like when marvel movies were exciting it was like i saw this in theaters and was like whoa that was crazy like that was so much fun i really like that um and it just like it, yeah it still holds up but also like you go back and you watch and i mean there there's like i don't even i don't even know how many movies there are now but like 20 whatever but 23 um, I think. 23 yeah it's like it, it kind of makes me like the movie a little less unfortunately just because now having seen all the other ones it just makes me feel like i'm watching another marvel movie sometimes but i gotta remind myself this did it first and did it really really well um but it's good all right uh zach what is your 53 
Oh, shit, I don't know. Oh, I think this is why I was so confused earlier because I didn't know if it was the same seas or just a small jump as Mary and Max. Ah, uh, um, yikes. Backwards yikes. Backwards um, yikes. <laughs> um, I'm going to let you do more. That's not how yikes works. Because I'm sure you'll talk about much. <laughs> it's um, Saki. Backwards yikes. Okay. Um, anyways, <laughs> I... I <laughs> That was a slow. <laughs> oh man, interaction. With that. Okay, um, I think that oh, I haven't seen this in like three or four years, so Ethan's gonna talk a lot better about it because some of the details are, are, are a little blurry to me. But I, I do know, um, you know, this is a movie about um, pen pals between this um, New Yorker that you know has Aspers and you know doesn't really um, socialize with much people um, and he with a young girl in Australia um, and I think the this movie does great at the connections we can have um, you know across borders and across um, generations and it comes off really sweet and sincere but does not shy away from the darkness of these people's lives and from their humanities um, that's why you can't at all call this, you know, kids movies for where they take these characters. Um, but also just has the right level of whimsy without sacrificing its, um, you know, its true humanity. Because um, it is really funny. Um, has a great whimsical score by Penguin Cafe Orchestra. Well, the score is like a number of people. They have songs by Penguin Cafe Orchestra, who is this like neoclassical avant-garde um, instrument group, similar like Philip Glass music. Um, that I listen to quite a bit. Um, it, it, it all just functions together. And the animation is, you know, can be seen weird and gruesome. It's like this black and white. They all kind of look like trolls, um, but kind of, you know, works thematically with how these, you know, characters are viewed and it's still, you know, engage entertaining stop motion for some reason um, can capture the truth of a story by another um, movie animation styles. I don't really, you know, know why, but it always works for me. Uh... Yeah, I mean, you were you had this one slot higher than me. Um, yeah, <laughs> uh, I won't say too much more than Zach because I agree with everything you said. Um, I mean, stop motion is like probably my favorite uh, form of animation, and I think that this movie just does such a good job with it and uses it to such a, a great degree. Like Zach was saying, I mean, the the way it's shot, or I mean, quote unquote shot, but the color scheme and the the animation, like it it is very whimsical, but it also the way that you can use stop motion to show these characters is kind of misshapen and like almost ugly in a way because it's about a movie about these two like quote unquote like ugly people who are not accepted by society who find love together um, in this like beautiful platonic relationship of course. Um, and Philip Seymour Hoffman and Tony Collette are like, I mean, they're two of the best actors, one living, one past, but um, blending their voices incredibly, like just giving life to these characters and making you fall in love with these little clay people. Um, it's one of the saddest movies I've ever seen. Like it just, because you love, you grow to love these characters so much and you, it's, it's so upsetting certain things that happen in the movie. And, and it's like one of those things where you just wish you could like enter the scene to explain things to people so you can like prevent conflicts from happening, but you can't. Um, the music is incredible. Like Zach was saying, Penguin Cafe Orchestra is so good. Um, I was obsessed with uh, that one song for a while that was a Mary Max um, for like years. Uh, yeah, I've seen this movie many, many times. It's just, it never gets old for me. Eric Bana actually gives a really funny uh, voice performance. And the places they take his character is really funny. Um, the contrast between the, uh, the the dirty, like gross New York stuff with uh, with Max and the, um, 
the the kind of odd like Zach said whimsical like Australian parts with Mary. Um, it's just such like a, a lovely, beautiful, heartbreaking movie that is. If you don't like this movie, you have no soul. And um, yeah, I don't know what else to say. It's so good. Uh, I just watched this today, actually, for the first time. Kind of a downer. <laughs> um, I, I disagree with Paul. Paul says they the, they balance the humor and the sadness. I think the the humor it just feels like really affects you. Like I see what they're trying to do, but like it's just so like one lousy thing happening after another. Just and I won't give away the ending, but it's like it doesn't really stop. And um, I mean that's fine. Like not every movie has to be a happy movie. You have a happy ending, but like it's just like geez, oh man. And like everything about it, like you said, like they go from black and white to sepia. It's like okay, so like depressing and dreary to you know slightly different looking depressing and dreary, and just the animation style lends to that feeling of it. Um, I didn't hate it, but like it's just like it was something that I really enjoyed. Um, Zach, I think fifty three is is way too high. Ethan, fifty four. That's probably perfect. perfect. That's, I think yeah. you're right. You're good right here. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's um, the Gremlins too. But yeah, but no, um, yeah, I, I do think, I think both of you actually, you know, in my opinion, have the side, but like I said, like, I mean, and Zach, like, you know, with this and while things like, you know, you're into that vibe, um, I'm, I guess I'm just not, um, like, I, I like, I'm okay with like certain types of Donner movies, but I don't know what it is about these, like, maybe like the, like the animation family style type thing mixed with that doesn't work for me. I don't know. Um, this movie didn't really do it for me. Uh, Cody and Brian, have either of you seen this? I have not seen it. Well, they said Philip Seymour Hoffman, and I was in. Then they said stop motion, and I'm out. So we'll see. Right? Yeah. Do you actually know that Philip Seymour Hoffman has always just been a stop motion puppet? There's no real <laughs> thing at them. Well, he yeah, has stopped motion. motion. Oh, 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 man. That's God damn it, bro. <laughs> okay, uh, Cody, we're on to your 52. So this was yikes earlier. I don't know if it's getting yikes anymore. But I'm I'm, sh- I'm shameful for have not seen this movie sooner. Because the definition, if you look up of a Cody movie, is this movie. And the only reason it's this low is because I haven't watched that many times. And it's going to go up. It's. It, I watched it last night. It would go even higher. And it's The Fugitive. Um, Shut up, Brian. Wait. I, I'm actually not sure. Somebody said it earlier. Wasn't Cody the yikes for Brian? Or am I, remembering I that thought wrong? so. Oh, yeah. I was looking too high on my list. Yeah, yeah. I had it low. I had 99. Yeah. Okay. I love this movie. If you want to see who I am in a movie character, it is Tommy Lee Jones to a T. Because um, you don't care. <laughs> I don't care. I do not care. Uh, that scene was still... Um, one, it's Harrison Ford. Two, it's Tommy Lee Jones. It's a manhunt. It's insane action at times. Just a, like a metal of the mind. Um... And Tommy Lee Jones is like finding them one step behind and Harrison Ford and the twist in this movie, everything in it is my kind of movie. 
And the moment I watched it, as soon as he puts his hands up in the first 30 minutes, he goes, I don't care. And I was like, what the fuck have I been doing? What is, why haven't I seen this movie? And it keeps going. Uh, Harrison Ford, especially at the beginning, you, you, you find her. You find, you find who did this. Just his overacting and stuff. Love it. Like everything about this movie, U.S. Marshals don't ever fucking watch that pile of shit. I'm just gonna be honest with you. Don't watch that compared yeah. to the, the. Somebody said watch it next after this. I should have never heard that. The Fugitive is absolutely incredible. I watched it last night. I had so much fun with it. It flies. It flies by. It's so uh, quick paced. When the train goes off and they're like, "Who's got? I got. Who's got your keys? I got my keys." And he's like, "Going to retrain that statement." And the guy's just sitting there because he knows he let he let he let the guy go. Um, yeah, it's just it is a thrill ride. This movie from '93 works so it feels very '93, especially the opening credit scenes when that shit starts. You're like, damn, this is from the '90s. There's no getting away from it, but it holds up so well, so well. The last 20 minutes, I absolutely love this one. Yeah, this is a film that was all over my list. I mean, it might it was as high as I think the 30s all the way down to off the list just barely. Um, I ended up just making my list. I stuck it at 99. Really, if I had rewatched it more recently, it would probably jump back up the list again because it's really just a well-made movie. And it, this is another one that's it's based off an old TV show that I never watched. I'd heard of it, but I knew nothing about it. So Ooh. I'm like, okay, whatever. They're making a TV show adaptation. I don't care, but it's it's Harrison Ford, so I'll check it out. And it was just a real great tense thriller. Of course, another movie set in Chicago, so I enjoy watching all the, all that part. Um, but yeah, I mean Harrison Ford is, is perfect for the role. I mean nobody nobody points like Harrison Ford. You find her. Um, <laughs> always pointing. Always pointing. Uh, yeah, it's, I I don't know what else to say that, that Cody hasn't already said, but I mean, it's this movie that again was another surprise to me that year. Didn't expect to like it nearly as much as I did. Um, I would agree on U.S. Marshals. It feels like the kind of movie that you know you would find now go straight to streaming or something like that. And it'd be fine. It'd be passable. But compared to this, trying to be a sequel to the fugitive, it just doesn't even compare at all. And Tommy Lee Jones absolutely deserved the Oscar. He was great in this movie. Tommy Lee Jones is like, like when they're sitting there trying to dissect the audio from his like, well, let's hear the difference between a, a grounded train and an elevator train. <laughs> let's see what you guys know the difference of just as soon as like his, his smart quips throughout this entire movie just makes Tommy Lee Jones one of Great. my favorite actors. Absolutely. Just, yeah. Uh, yeah. I have to revisit this one. I haven't seen it in a while. I remember liking it a lot when it came out. Uh, but now it just does like you're right, Cody. It does feel very 90s, and like in my head, it just reminds me of, like one of those like Saturday afternoon basic cable movies. Um, but I know it's, I know it's calm down, I know it's better than that. Hold on, I said the graphics, the movie doesn't feel 90s, the graphics feel 90s. The movie, the movie feels kind of 90s. Oh, I want to say one thing. He talked about the opening, I just want to mention one thing real quick that I forgot to mention. This is one movie where for some reason I remember the movie's going on for like 20 minutes. And then the credits roll with the title. And I'm like, this movie just starting? What the hell? That was all the opening? Um, but yeah, I do have to revisit it because I mean, it's great. Like, I, I, I've said this about some other movies on the list already. I just love that concept of two good guys facing off against each other, like completely, you know, different, different, try to cheese, basically try to stop each other from doing what they're doing. Um, and that dynamic and the, the, the dynamic between Tom Lee Jones and Harrison Ford is great in this. Um, I love Harrison, I love uh, Tom Lee Jones and his group, like you know, just him you know, interacting with them is a lot of fun. I think uh, I don't know the actress's name, but Rose from Lost is, is the one is 
one, one of his people. And um, I think Joey Pants is in there somewhere. Uh, so, yeah, it's it's a lot of fun. It is a thrill ride. And um, John Mulaney does a great bit on this, the comeback kid. Uh, I love his I love what he does with that on that. Uh, but, uh, yeah, it's 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 solid. Again, it's something I just got to rewatch. Um, so definitely a good pick for both of you guys. Uh, Zach and uh, Ethan, why don't you have this on your list? I haven't seen it. Um, I have not seen it in a really long time. I saw it when I was a kid, and I really loved it as a kid. Um, and I just never saw it again. Um, I feel like if I rewatched it, I probably would like it. I don't know if it's like exactly my type of movie, but um, I remember a few things from it, like the, the you know jumping over the into the water moment and the uh, I don't care is is a great it's a great moment. Guys, Peter Pan went off this year. <laughs> um, Neil Flynn, the janitor from Scrubs, shows up for a minute. It's great. Um, yeah, I guess I, I got to rewatch it at some point. It's been a long time. Cody got me to quote something. You happy? I'm really excited. Well, I'm really excited. <laughs> Zach, did you talk about this? Yeah, I didn't see it. Okay. All right. Uh, then we are going on to Ethan's number 52. Um, all right. My number 52. Oh, wait. Oh, I guess that's my, uh, my ace for the night because <laughs> my number 52 is The Godfather. <laughs> Yikes! It's I'll not your your top. because somebody has a I got the props. <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, Brian, you're 52 then. Uh, my 52. Uh, let me see. Well, I doubled up Something on Shane on Black. I doubled up on Robert Downey Jr. I doubled up on Val Kilmer. So why not another John Hughes? Um, my favorite John Hughes movie, not actually directed by him though, is some kind of wonderful. Um. This movie, he he produced and wrote. Uh, he did not direct it, technically. Um, it, he, from it sounds like he basically kind of shadow directed it, kind of the way George Lucas didn't direct *Empire Strikes Back* and *Return of the Jedi*. Um, but this this is a movie that I think is just my favorite John Hughes movie. It's a, it's more dramatic than some of his stuff. I mean, it's not a full drama. There's definitely comedy to it, um, but it's not you know kind of that pure comedy that like you know *Breakfast Club* or Sixteen Candles* or even *Ferris Bueller* are. Um, this is just a movie that hit me at the right time in my life. You know, when I first saw it, uh, I was, I was in high school and it, just the, the character felt very close to me. And I loved the relationships. It kind of, it, it, it's really not too original, anything about it. I mean, it's kind of a, you know, a guy and a girl from different sides of the tracks and he loves her. And there's a whole love triangle because, you know, this other girl, his best friend always has also has a crush on him. And so, I mean, there's nothing too original about it, but just the way it was done, I just thought it was it was very well made. Um, I like the act, Leah Thompson. I you know of course from Back to the Future before this, but then this, you know, I fell in love with her at the time. One of the best things to come out of this movie, the director Howard Deutsch uh, ended up marrying Leah Thompson. Kind of creepy that they worked together there, but uh, and then he gets Zoe Deutsch out of the situation. So there you go. Uh, if nothing else, you get that. But this is just a movie that that is my favorite John Hughes movie, and I really enjoy it as a good romance. Yeah, um, you said something in your in your spiel there, Brian. That I'm going to cling to, and that's nothing too original. Um, Kathy, Kathy, and I sat down and watched this uh, about a week ago, and literally 45 seconds in the movie, I think before any dialogue had been spoken, I told her how it was going to end. I told her this is exactly how this movie, and 
lo and behold, that's how it ended because John Hughes had about four original thoughts his entire life. Um, to be this, fair, they had a different ending. Like the studio made him change. Anyway, <laughs> was it the, 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 the so they did the reverse Pretty in Pink? Basically. Oh well, okay, <laughs> but um, yeah, but yeah, this is. I I think Paul said in the comments like Eric Stoltz character. I think it's just real bland. Like I, I think it, these are the, the what I was talking about before. Ferris Bueller doesn't have very cookie cutter characters. Very quick cookie cutter situations. Um, I mean, the one standout to me was the um, the Elias Codis character. Um, you know, and I think even that that was telegraphed because you know they already set up the bully with the rich kids, so like he was going to do something else. Um, but I think he's he was the one bright spot. I, I enjoyed his character, but the rest of it it was just such like uh, just it, it was just a slog for me. Just like a very typical stereotypical eighties John Hughes high school movie. Um, yeah. That's that's about it. Uh, everybody else on uh, some kind of wonderful anybody else seen it? Nope, I've not seen it. I haven't seen it, but the vagueness of the title has me intrigued. Like, what kind of wonderful is it? There's many kinds of wonderful I love. <laughs> they don't they don't it. play the song either. They don't play the song. Yeah, I, it's one of those things. I have no idea why they picked this title for it. Yeah. Um. So I did a watch last year of '87, and '87 is a very weird year. Um. This is I just. I liked it, but I didn't love it. Like there were parts that I enjoyed of it. I guess I expected maybe a little bit more of a comedy element when I was going into it. It's a little bit more of a drama in my opinion. I don't, I don't love it. So I didn't hate it. I just am so glad I don't live in Kirk's house because I'd be really freaking pissed off. If I'm sitting there 30 minutes in the movie going, I don't tell you exactly how this is going to end. And then tells me exactly how it's going to end. What a terrible movie watcher Kirk would be. Jeez. I wonder, Kathy. Kathy must be miserable watching movies. This movie's going to end like this. Why are we watching it? Then what's the point? Yeah. <laughs> because Brian put it on his list. I would watch this. If Brian put it on his list. Blame Brian. I should have just Brian picked Brian. worse movies just to make him watch them, even if I didn't like them. Yeah. Kathy does love this movie, Brian. She's excited to rewatch it. Well, she has taste. Not in the husbands, but movies. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, don't miss. <laughs> um, uh, Zach, it's what is your? Turn, <laughs> oh, did you talk about? I'm sorry. Okay, good. No, I just made my turn to go. You just seemed very lost. You just got very. No, no, I wasn't sure if you talked about the shit or not. Um, All right, I did. No. Okay, good. Fifty-two. All right, uh, my 52 uh, title that can describe all of us in this film community and my oldest movie on the list is um, Freaks. 1932's Freaks. Um, this is Todd Browning, who also directed Dracula, which, um, you know, Dracula is kind of, a, <laughs> it has kind of an up the middle, um, telling of these the monster movies, especially universal monster movies. And this movie is like, unlike anything else at the time, I, I find it so modern in a lot of ways and it's, you know, directorial style. Um, I think it's like, uh, Dazed and Confused meets, um, Circus Whore. Um, you just got me in there because I fucking love Daisy Fuse and I love circuses. There's something weird I like about the circus. <laughs> movie. I, le I legitimately, um, there's a period because of where, where my anxiety goes. I thought I was going to like flunk out of college and I was like looking at clown schools. This is not a false. Like, I thought this was like a legitimate um, career path for me. I probably should have went that route. It, my life would have turned out better. Um, but this you know, movie, um, takes a community of what is the circus freaks for the 1930s so it's a lot of mostly um not all but mostly real 
um, actors of people of different, um, you know, phys physical um, capabilities, um, and um, which treats them like they, it seems like it could be exploited, especially, you know, coming to the horror movie, they do, you know, enact the horrific scene at the end, but it's so amazing how much compassion is given in this movie, especially that, like, it's a very short movie, it's like 70 minutes, but 90% uh, of the runtime is just to the development of this community of how these people, you know, interact with each other, and they give every person, you know, this right moment to, to you know, help us understand them as a person, as a character, um, to where then the pain that they feel when they're, you know, more or less bullied by the, um, you know, more physically abled performers in, in the community um, and taken advantage of, um, that you feel that pain and you're like really rooting for the horrific actions. That's why I think as a horror movie, um, it's not something as scary as much as like you're like rooting for the destruction of the people that come from those kind of horror movies. For some reason always work with me, you know, that's where the, this is where the one of us um, kind of chant, you know, originates. Um, and that scene alone is really, you really start to feel uncomfortable. Um, but I think the, you know, rambling nature of this film is unlike anything of theories and it, you know, it makes me fall in love with, you know, these characters today, I think it's a weird movie and something that more people should talk about and check about and stop watching every Billy, Billy Wilder movie. Other classics exist. Wow, that's unnecessary. I love shot. Billy they, Wilder movie. Un, it's un, just the community needs to chill and know that there's other directors that existed before 1970. That's, that's an unnecessary sh uh, shot taken there at the end there. Um, you, uh, Zach, you say that you considered Clown School was just one of the least surprising things I've ever, or I've ever heard. I think that's, I think that you would have made it, made a great cloud. I think that's, that, that is something that the the world missed out on is you as a cloud. Um, I, I love the, I love this pick. Um, I, it's not my top 100, but I think this is a great pick. This is a fun movie. Um, like you said, the fact that it's like a horror movie, but you're rooting for the monsters, like the normal people or the, or the bad guys. That's, that's, that's great. Uh, the fact that they use like actual, and I don't want to say this, but like I hate using this term, but like actual like people who were circus freaks, um, and like they, you know, there's no special effects or anything. Like everybody with different, you know, disabilities or whatever, um, they actually were that, and uh, that just adds to like the airiness of the movie because everything you're watching is real, and um, you know, and like you said, just like it's it's heartbreaking because you see the way they're treated and the way they're, you know, it's like a very realistic portrayal of how these people would have to live but then like it's like that revenge fantasy form and it's like you know it just it's 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 a blast i love this movie it's just like one of those little like you know people talk about a lot but all the people have seen it and i think more people should see it because it is really cool uh everybody else on freaks i have not seen this my only knowledge of this movie comes from mentioning it in the movie the player <laughs> when they did the one of us line but that's I, i've still not seen this also uh wolf of wall street mm -hmm. Um, don't you ever bring up Wilder's name and be a disrespectful asshole about it, okay? Um, uh, you've told me to watch this for a long time. It's on my watch list. I just haven't got to yet. Uh, yeah, I'm a, I'm a really big fan of, um, the, uh, 1993, um, Alex Winter film Freaked. I think it's super funny. Uh, that's freaked, you know, gets, That's freaked. You got some great Randy Quaid. What's that, Brian? Wait, That's freaked. What are we talking about? <laughs> oh, shit. No, I haven't seen Freaks. Don't spoil Brian. Freaked is great. Later. You guys should all watch Freaked. Yeah. Um, yeah, guys. Be, instead of Billy Wilder, you should be watching, like, uh, Muppets Christmas Carol and Box Trolls. 
because those hey, are yes, four gremlins I too. Like Billy Wilder a lot, but literally, it's the only classic films anyone in our community watches. And if you get a classics ground, you're guaranteed at least one Wilder crush it every time. Ooh. I'm just calling calling it now. Wow, <laughs> taking shots at certain question writers. <laughs> Crazy. Uh, let's go to number 51 with Code. I almost read your, your 51. What is your 51? Uh, this is a movie that uh, has been apparently loved by a lot of people. Um, it was a yikes earlier. Um, it is keep going up on my list. It's a movie that's completely out of my wheelhouse of movies that I'm supposed to like. Um, and it's What If, also known as the F word. I had a lower. Right. Um, I uh, I got to this movie late. <laughs> Apparently, everybody loved this movie before me, and I will I will gladly bow down to whoever loved it more uh, at a certain point. Paul, Brian, uh, maybe Lucas, maybe Zach. I don't know, but I have it the highest. So everybody, fuck off. Um, <laughs> I watched this movie um, the first time, and I had no expectations for it whatsoever. Um, I actually don't like Daniel Radcliffe as an actor. I'm not a big fan. Um, and so this movie, I had zero expectations for it. And this movie absolutely blew me away. Um, I believe it's one of the best romantic comedies out there. Um, I I hear movies like The Big Sick and everything thrown away. And this movie was very, at least, under told to me because no one... Uh, brought it up to me um i think the chemistry between the both the characters are absolutely incredible adam driver of course steals the scenes because he's hilarious you know that's i had sex and now i'm having nachos um <laughs> one of the best movie lines of anything but how this entire like um how they meet and how they're not supposed to be together and how honestly respectful Daniel Radcliffe really is about the entire thing. Because I mean, if you give this to many directors or many different screenplay writers, he, they cheat on each, they cheat. Um, and then they have to tell the story and blah, blah, blah. Honestly, there's like, there's the hint of them liking each other. And then he flies all the way across and like goes to meet the ex boy, the boyfriend, and gets punched in the fucking face. And he he comes out and tells all the feelings, and it goes completely wrong for him. Um, but it honestly ends in a, a very beautiful way. Um, I watched it the first time, and I was like, "Wow, this movie uh, is absolutely incredible." I think I'm a little too high on this. Then I watched it with my wife, and it just reaffirmed everything that I felt the first time even more. Because uh, I watched it with my spouse and we, she loved it. I loved it. It was just a really, it's just a really good story, um, and it keeps going up for me. I think this movie's beautiful. Yep. What if? Yeah, this is another movie that was all over my list. Um, as I, it was always going to make my list, which is a matter of where. Uh, Cody's kind of already covered everything, but yeah, I mean, it's, Daniel Radcliffe. I actually like his post Harry Potter career choices because I mean, he very easily could have you know, kept trying to do the, the same kind of thing in the fantasy or, you know, the, the fandom world kind of thing and had a, probably a good career, but he didn't. Instead, he's tried to do a lot of different kinds of things. He did, you know, this, there's a movie called Guns Akimbo, which I really enjoy him in. Um, he's done a lot of dramas and he's done some biopics. He's done a little horror here and there. And so I really like that he's kind of, I like the actor he's become. Swiss Army Man, another one, is out of the left field choice that he made. Um, but but in this movie, I think he does the the rom com very well. 
uh, I I agree, Adam Driver, as well as Mackenzie Davis. I think they steal pretty much all the scenes they're in. They're so much fun, especially Adam Driver. I think he should do more comedies. Um, I agree. I 100% agree. Yeah, but but yeah, Cody's already kind of covered all the all the broad strokes of it. But yeah, this is I, I love this film. It's an enjoyable rom com. Uh, yeah, Cody, uh, I'm right there with you. This is a movie I probably shouldn't like, but I do. Um, you know, so it's not my typical movie, but yeah, Daniel right. Radcliffe. I feel like this is like this generation's When Harry Met Sally. I think there's a lot of like similarities between those two movies, yeah. and um, just like the, the story and the tone and what it's about. Um, and yeah, the two of them are great. Uh, Zoe Kazan's real cute. Like she's she's really good in a lot of stuff. Uh, she just plays that character really well. Um, and Daniel Radcliffe's really good as like you just just you know the two of them riffing off each other, and then you know that you know with you know the uh, Adam Driver and his girlfriend, you know just the kind of the comparison between those two relationships. And I do think like Adam Driver and uh, uh, Mackenzie Davis are are the are better than are, are like the more interesting to watch. They're just more fun. Um, but the whole thing's great. Just how the whole you know like you were saying, I think Ethan that or uh, Cody that the uh, just how the relationship slowly develops to like they fall right in love and you know she brings up her boyfriend like it's 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 called more complicated than that and it's hard um the ending is a little you know maybe a little too easy um but it's still a really good movie i really enjoyed this uh zach and ethan on what if um yeah this is a movie that i saw and i really liked it the first time like a lot and then i watched it again and i didn't like it quite as much um I feel like it's been a while to be honest. I haven't seen it in a long time, but I think the reason I didn't like it as much was I actually kind of felt like their their relationship was a, a little weird. Um, but I, I also haven't seen it in a while, so I might be misremembering. Um, but I like a lot of stuff about it. I think it's like way better than an average rom com. Um, and actually, I, I love what Daniel Radcliffe's doing with his career now. He's just doing a bunch of weird shit, and I'm I'm into it, even when it doesn't hit. Um, you know, I, I like that he's just taking risks and, yeah. and doing fun yeah. movies. I'll just say I don't like weird shit, so that's why I don't like him. Fair, <laughs> fair enough. There's the disconnect. I think Harry Potter is his weakest stuff, personally. But. Agreed. I don't like a lot of Daniel Radcliffe's modern movies, but I love that he's going for it. Like I appreciate mm -hmm. the hustle. Yeah, um, absolutely. But um, I like What If quite a bit. It's enjoyable. It's a charming movie, and um, I think the community is a little whack about it. But um, I, it's it, it's. I think, you know, Kirk hitting the, the hitting on the nose and saying, you know, it's when Harry met Sally for this, you know, um, this generation is a modernization. I think that's why it works. I think it's that, you know, that, you know, platonic friends, that, but also carrying over that will there, won't they? Chemistry has, you know, worked for generations on TV and movies. And, and there's something that we love about that sort of chemistry. Um, and Mackenzie Davis, I think we just need to like really throw her into comedies. I think she has a lot of um, comedic talent between this and I think she's you know terrific and Tolly um, um, a movie I love a lot more than most people uh, but but let's get her in that and not in Terminator um, and it'll be wonderful um, I had some bit I was going to end with like oh it's not a bit um, AC Newman does a score this is continuing to trend to me and Ethan just use half of this to talk about musicians we like um, <laughs> AC Newman who's from the new pornographers does the score for this movie and it's very delightful and you know better than I think they have a drumcom score um, rather than just taking indie songs they get an indie musician to make their own original music for it which is good I would argue that nobody has to be in Terminator movies anymore. Uh, Ethan, what is your number 51? My number 51 is Heathers. Yikes. 
whole wound. All right. Nice uh, choice, though. <laughs> nice choice. Okay, Brian, uh, then that takes us to your 51. My 51 is uh, the first, John Wick. Uh, Ooh, yeah, and uh, by 2014, Keanu Reeves was in real danger of becoming one of those guys who's all his stuff is going straight to DVD and and uh, VOD kind of thing. Because he had made a lot of these small films that maybe they got small, you know, releases, but they weren't, you know, he wasn't making the hits anymore. He obviously, he'd done like, you know, the Matrix movies and Constantine. And after that, he was putting out, a, you know, some mid-range movies here and there. But he wasn't like the star anymore. So this movie came out kind of quietly. It just opened one day and most people didn't really want to go see it at first. But it was, again, I mean, another theme for tonight. It was a pleasant surprise to me. I went in there and I just loved it. Um, the main factor in this case being just the action. It was so well done. It was basically a couple of stunt guys who became directors and producers decided, you know, they took on to make their own film. And they did a phenomenal job. And you can tell the the uh, care they took in the action, not only the choreography of it, but it's not, it's not even just, you know, big bombastic action. It's all kind of stilted and and realistic it's like it, a lot of it I mean, while it feels like obviously they're trained for fighting it still it feels realistic like you know these are real kind of people fighting not just you know some choreographed fight you're seeing um and then add to that you know all the gunplay things like that and they were able to mix it all and you know i think they called it gunfu it's what they're calling it at the time the, the filmmakers uh it was just a style of action that we hadn't really seen before and this is a movie where the story i mean it's silly if you think about it. It's like somebody kills his dog and takes his car and so goes on this rampage to kill these people. But obviously it was more than that. The dog, it was what the dog represented because his wife had left it to him when she died and all these kind of things. So, I mean, there's more to it than just the simple storyline would tell you. But it's, it's, they've just created this iconic character now who's we're three movies in with at least two more to come. And I can't wait to see where the story goes from here. Uh, yeah. John Wick is... The, my problem, the, my problem with the first one, my first first one was the only one I haven't seen. I didn't see in the theaters, so I didn't get like a full experience. I think seeing the other two in the theater, that that just those action scenes, they feel so much more intense. Uh, you know, watching them, watching them on the big screen. Um, so I think I missed. But yeah, this is still a great movie. Um, like you said, the 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 story is kind of silly on the surface. But um, I will say, I, I forgot to mention that I, one thing I love about this movie is the world building because they created this whole world of assassins. <clears throat> with like the coins as the currency and 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 i mean they build upon it and in each movie they built upon it more and more but they've just created this believable world with the you know, continental with this hotel where people you know you can't do business on the grounds but it's it's i'm sorry i just forgot to mention that go ahead no you're no you're fine <laughs> um i was gonna bring that up too but yeah but yeah as i was saying the story is kind of silly but i think keanu's character he grounds it like his performance he grounds it and like makes you buy it and like you said it's not just about dog it's about everything it represents and like everything it's been building um and yeah, that was going to be the next thing I said. Is the world building is so cool. I love that, like Hitman, like underworld universe that they create. And of course, they you know they get into it more in the next movies, but just like setting the stage for it here. Um, I love Ian McShane. He's one of my favorite actors. Just when I see him show up in a movie, I'm just so excited about it. He's so good. Uh, you know, Willem Dafoe is really good in this. And um, yeah, just that yeah that that the, the the that kind of new style of action they created for this was was just really a lot of fun. And um, yeah, it's so rewatchable too. Like you just watch that, and just it's just it's yeah. just fun every time. Um, so uh, everybody else, uh, what anybody else have John Wick on the list? Uh, I love John Wick. Sorry, Zach. No, you. I'll, I'll, go, I'll go quick. Um, I'm a huge. I mean, I'm a huge Keanu Reeves fan, and I love Keanu Reeves action movies. 
I like that he's had many types of, like, he's been the action hero in different, like, ways many times, and he keeps evolving. Uh, and John Wick was a movie that, like, everyone thought was going to suck and be one of those straight-to-DVD, straight-to-VOD movies, and um, it was awesome. Uh, it's just, yeah, I'm not going to talk too much more about it. It's just a really cool, really fun action movie, great world-building. I'll watch as many John Wick movies as they make because I don't care how silly the story gets. The action is phenomenal every time. And Ian McShane is fantastic in everything, Kirk. I agree. Yeah, I, I think you both I actually... Motherfucker, just let me talk. <laughs> uh, I... <laughs> I like John Wick quite a bit, and I think that means something for me because, you know, you can look at my list, and action is really hard for me to get into, but I think when you're able to show me something really inventive and creative um, that I can fall forward, I, I, I like, you know, all three John Wick movies um, quite a bit because I think there is a unique point of view with how to deliver these movies, and, and you know, no one can deliver, you know, silly lines, but with such bravura than, you know, Keanu can, so it, it really works for me. You may go, Cody. That's how we should pass it. Let's say Cody. You should shut the fuck up. Okay. Um, uh, well, the, I love John Wick, the first one. I love John Wick, too. Th- third one was a little much for me, but the first one has my favorite character introduction of all time. Yes. I don't think there has been a better one when a man shows back up into the, his house and meets his father and starts telling what happened. And his father's body language just completely shuts down and realizes he's about to lose his son and there's not a dang thing he can do um, is just mastercraft. It's just like you went into the boogeyman's house and you stole his car and you killed his dog. He could have a pencil and you're going to die. Like basically just lays it down that you're dead. Remember when they tell him who it was, John Wick, and he goes, oh. Oh. (laughs) That line, that one word. Yeah. (laughs) Says everything you need to know. Yeah. So as he keeps describing it, I love the opening to that so much. And yes, is is it cheesy and stupid, like the concept of the whole thing, but it works so well throughout the entire thing. Uh, John Wick was really close to making my list. I like. I don't know which one I like more of that one or the second one, but the introduction of that character is just the way they're able to use the guns into like a kung fu, like how you described it, makes that movie so. And I still like it at home just as much on the big screen. But yeah, the big screen. I understand why that would have missed yours just a little bit because that first one, seeing it for the first time on the big screen, whoa. And what I love about these movies too is that they're always reloading. Like reloading is actually thing. reloading, yes. Yeah, like they have actually to... reloading, yes. Yeah, yeah, and, and the way he does, like, well, the guy's got to like drop the clip out and put it in his and then, then oh. shoot him with it, that kind of stuff. I don't even know if that happens in this one. I get them all, all the actually confused, but like yeah, just the fact that that's like he, he's conscious of like the, there's a bullet count, which a lot of those movies they like, actually have magazines, shoot. yeah, yeah, <laughs> they carry magazines, yeah. That's that's uh, I, I really like it about these. Um, all right, uh, Zach, take us home with your 51. Yo, um, I think people uh, underestimate how sincere I am about this because it's kind of became a real bit for me, especially on the Lucas and Zach podcast, uh, because I may bring it up every episode. But it's the curious case of Benny Butt, my guy. Um, Second best Fincher movie, seven's not good. Okay, let's go. Um, (laughs) And so... Biddy Butt, based on a 
probably less than five page um, story by um, F. Scott Fitzgerald and turned into a three hour movie, um, three hour masterpiece, some might say. Um, this is one that there's a lot of movies that you know have my list. I understand why people don't like them. I'm honestly so confused about the hate of this movie. I think it's like pretty uh, majestic in a lot of a lot of ways. I had guess people were bored by it, but I don't know how because it's like a real like epic and adventure and like the classic mean of those words. Like it has a real kind of 1950s, 1960s epic um, approach to the storytelling. Like it encompasses so much time and so much space. Um, it was such a unique, you know, storytelling structure of um, going through someone's life where they age, you know, as a old gross baby um to a i'm always very confused by the end like does he shrink i guess he shrinks again but is he still like the size of an old man but looks like a baby which i need to see is i need the center cut of this um they just i don't think they had an answer so they didn't show it um but i think that the approach to time not just as an actual storytelling structure but as a thematical um connective piece to it as well is, is one of the most moving things that Fincher's ever came in. So out of the ordinary for what he normally touches, I think it's it's a very beautiful film. I think especially it hits its stride perfectly in the middle of when, you know, the romance of um, Kate Blanchett and um, Brad Pitt, who is my favorite actor, so this is part of it too, um, meet in the middle. It's just like so lovely and sexy and beautiful. And there's you know, the best scene of the butterfly effect theory um, that has ever been done that made it a lot more um, poetic than usually that can um, uh, be done for me. Um, but also just like watching people age backwards. It's great. It's fun to make jokes about. This movie's fucking brilliant. I don't know. People need to appreciate. It. We're going to do a three-hour live commentary one year. I beat Lucas in the Oscars. It'll happen. So I, I won't ask you because I'm, I'm assuming it'll be on the list. But I, I, I'm really curious what you think the the better Fincher movie is. Um, well, people who pay attention to the show would already know. It's a social network. Uh, yeah, I mean that's I that's kind of crazy to say this is his second best. Um, yeah, yeah, that's that seven's not good. That's. Yeah. Um, but whatever. Okay. We'll, 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 I'm, I, I got it all here. Um, uh, <laughs> yeah, the, seven is bad. Should not affect my list. Cause seven was not talked about on my, my list. I should be judged based solely on my list. No, he should be based on that statement. <laughs> Any, anything you say can, will be held against you. Um, I read you the Miranda rights before we started. Um, but no, I, I do like this movie though. Um, I want to talk about the, the effects, like the like the aging or de aging or whatever effects you call them. Like they're really good, especially for this time this movie came out. Like there are movies that try to do stuff like this now, and it doesn't look as good as this movie does. Um, this is uh, the, the effects of this of, of him, especially when he's like young and like or old, like an old child, uh, are great. And the way they age him slowly, just like the different looks, are really really well done. Um, yeah, the relationship between him and Kate Blanchett's character. I I like movies like that where you have like those like really like beautiful relationships that are doomed and aren't gonna last and like they just have those moments together and they do that really well uh, in this movie. Uh and just I, I said in my review of the letterbox review, it's it's basically magic forest gump. It's like just like this guy going from situation to situation and like experiencing different things and uh it's it just it's it, there's so many different like uh, the, the part with Tilda Swinton I really like that part. Um, there's so many like it's it's almost episodic uh, the way it does with that just that relationship weaving its way through. Um, so it's well done. Top two Fincher, I'm not going to agree with that. Top, I don't know, but uh, yeah, that's kind of crazy. Uh, but everybody else on uh, Benjamin Button. 
I haven't seen it since it came out in theaters 13 years ago. So I remember literally like nothing about it. And I don't, I don't even remember if I liked it, but I was like 12. So I might've liked it, but I, I can't say anything about it. Yeah, this, this movie really is Forrest Gump. I mean, there, there's actually a, a video. I, I put a link in the YouTube. It's uh, it, there, it compares the two. It's, it's quite funny how similar they are. Um, for me, though, I, Fincher doesn't make bad films, but this is probably my least favorite of his all his films. I mean, it's it's okay. It's it's definitely overlong. It's definitely a little boring. Um, I think some of the effects are actually kind of badly done, but it's all right. It's just not one of my favorite Finchers. Uh, the part that will always hold up to me is my grandmother going to see this film because um, my grandfather brought her to this film and her rant when we saw her the next time about the curious case of Benjamin Button is still one of, I wish I would have recorded it. It makes that movie so much better for me. I think the overall movie's boarding, but she just quoted that. I got struck by lightning seven times. No one gives them. No one cares. No one cares. Like, just went on a rant. She hates that. She hated this movie until the day she died. Um, but yeah, best venture. I think that's absolutely insane. I think that's one of the uh, second best venture. Second best venture. I think that's freaking insane. I think maybe six, maybe five, but no, no way. Yeah, it's probably the bottom, to be honest. Maybe it's higher than the game. Or Alien 3. Yeah, no. okay. I'll yeah, take Alien 3 over this. Alien 3, the game, <laughs> Benjamin Button right there. We'll put it right there. Yeah, you all can live in a world of like evil and sin and murder, and I'll live in a world of romance. Yeah, go and, eat your marmalade. You, know, you watch you a taxi driver. You a taxi driver. Please don't tell us <laughs> what a that we're story about love and friendship. It's a great friendship central of the taxi driver. I don't want to headbutt you in the face. <laughs> <laughs> okay, uh, so that brings us to the end of this episode. And if I seem distracted, like the last part there, it's because I'm sitting here trying to figure out who, like, how to score this. I'm like literally like in, trying to invent new types of math to determine um, who because it was so close. Sure. Like, I'll help you. I believe me. I've given out free wins before too, just to let the real winner win at the end. So if you need to give it to somebody to boost their confidence, go for it. I'll take. The I'm not giving anything free here. No, no, no. This is nothing free here. This is you. Nobody. There are very few bad picks this tonight. Um, every everybody is like it, it. It comes down to like two or three movies between the four of you. Um, Remember, I gave Koho a win that one time. That was <laughs> bullshit. We all know that. Um, oh man, I gotta go start going by who has stuff too high because even if it's good, I gotta look at what's too high um, or too low. Seems seems like how that you know. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Ace in the hole. Hold on. That's I I had an ace bit planned for Benny Button and I forgot it. Well you forgot, you didn't do it. I got a pocket aces. Kirk knows that for me the Godfather is appropriately placed. You go based on the, the person, right? Yeah. When you thought you had double aces and you just pulled seven twos off suit, it's gonna be a rough one table. Um I do gotta give it to Ethan though, barely. Because uh, he did have Die Hard, Godfather, Day of the Earth, Good Steel, uh, being John Malkovich, really like Grumman's too. I do appreciate, it. even if it's not a great yes. movie, I do appreciate it. Uh, oh, so Marnie and Max, yeah, Mar Mary Max, so you love the movie. Yeah, 
Cody is a very if, if I could do am I allowed to do ties? Is there anything that sure. ties in? Okay. You can do whatever you like. Ethan and Cody tie for first place. No, come Take on. Yeah, Bullshit. Yeah, no. If I, yeah, because if, if I would have known if come I would have known yeah, you guys you guys are tied. Um, and, I, and I'm doing a tie for second place too, because I can't differentiate between Brian and Zach. Because um, you can't you both, let Brian not be last place. You you both you both had you both had movies that I really like, and then you both had a couple stinkers on there. Um, I don't want to put Zach just because of freaks. Freaks keeps Zach out of fourth place because I want to re reward uh, freaks. Um, but uh, yeah, other than like some kind of wonderful and Top Gun, Brian plus was <laughs> solid. Uh, other than uh, uh, like. Muppets Christmas Carol and maybe Paddington 2. Zach's list was solid. Everybody do. You guys are too good at this. You guys start putting some crappy movies on here for me to complain about. I want to say, um, I think I'm trying to set a record here. I'm, I'm four weeks straight now with not a single one of my picks has been yikes. Not since like 98. So I know that's a good thing or a bad thing. Yeah, we did have a lot. We did have a lot. Ethan got yikes a lot tonight. So he'll be talking a lot here coming up soon. Um, but yeah, uh, thanks for watching almost with three hours tonight. Uh, thanks for everybody who stuck around in the chat. It was fun. Uh, thank you guys, and uh, we'll see you next week. You're not going to intimidate me. I'm entitled to my opinion. Drunk, get angry. Come on, break the lousy cup. Ow, I hurt my arm. And not expect everybody to do everything. I'm going there soon, you know. Is that so? Where are you going? Uruguay. Well, you go Uruguay and I'll go mine.